down to business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Says, oh my god. I'm your Huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Rolling this calls for the old Billy Baroo. That's a huge bitch. The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? It's over, Johnny. It's over! Ah, what is going on, everybody? I hope everyone's doing all right on this Saturday night. It is 10... It's around... 10.30 p.m. Eastern, or 10.30 p.m. my time, Central. Uh, what is going on uh, with me right now? I've got Anthony. What's going on, man? Come on, bro. Not much, and I've got uh, Bobby joining us again to finish up this other half of this list. What's up, Bobby? Hey, man, I've been sitting in the same spot since the same time and last week, just waiting to finish this. Damn, man, your ass must be hurting you. I'm dedicated. Boy, you can't even feel your ass cheeks no more, huh? I'm telling you. I don't need them. All right. <laughs> All right. I uh, hope everything's sounding good to everybody over here on Mixler. I uh, got a new setup going on here, new mixer, new, 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 new. So hopefully everything is cool. If not, let us know. Bachman, you're too low, you're too loud, whatever. So there we go. But, uh man. All right, so guys, last week we went through mm-hmm. the first 100 through 50 of this list, and the name of the show could have been, should have been higher. <laughs> yeah, that we said an awful lot of that last week. <laughs> we, we, yeah. We, yeah, we really did. We're like, ah, one should have been a little higher. But yeah. uh, like I said, in when we took the break and then came back and we're like, yeah, we're going to do this next week. I see a lot of movies that are going to put those movies a little more into place. 
Um, and I guess we can just start getting into it. Sure. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. All right. I believe we left off at number 51. Uh, and so we go to 50. Right now we're starting off. Number 50 is 1999's American Pie, the original one. Tara Reed, Shannon Elizabeth, Jason Biggs. Ooh, Shannon Elizabeth, Shannon Elizabeth, Shannon Elizabeth. Her tits alone should put this in like the top 20. <laughs> the <Dude>. top two. <laughs> Hall of Fame titties. And, and honestly, you know, I don't know if I'm overstating this, but I feel like that probably was the last great movie of this genre. The original, the original American Pie to me was a milestone. Mm-hmm. We could sit back and like, you know, criticize and analyze the ones that came after it, and they kind of went to the well a, little, a bit too much. Right. But that original one was a classic, man. To this day, I still can watch that and laugh my ass off. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, I was just going to say it spoke to it spoke to the generation um, at at the time, and it kind of it kind of had the feel. Tell me if I'm tell me if I'm off on this. It kind of had the feel of sort of an updated Porky's mm-hmm. in a way. I, I, it had a little. More, I would say it had a. Little, it was that's actually a good example, a good analogy there, Bobby. I would say uh, had a little more heart than a Porky's, in my opinion. All right. All right. That's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I can see both, but yeah, dude, it really, like you said, man, it really. I mean, this movie, so many quotable lines in the. I mean, how many people were like, I mean, one time at band camp. <laughs> right. I mean, everyone was saying that. Just another fucking quotable movie, quotable lines. And, people are still saying the quote quoting the band camp. Yeah, line. exactly. And you know the. Uh, <laughs> It's just one of those, you know, high school coming of age movies that everyone seems to just fall in love with. These movies really do well, especially when they're yeah. done well. And uh it goes without saying, but Steve Stifler, at least in the original first two, I will say first two was yeah. a cool motherfucker. Yeah, cool Stifler. Stifler <laughs> Everybody was. wanted to be Stifler, boy. Everybody wanted to be Stifler. Yeah, Stifler was well, he was a kind of an annoying little fuck, but Stifler was pretty uh, <laughs> was pretty pretty And cool. you know what? Sorry to cut you off. And that movie made stars. If you really think about it, like there there were, there were so many people in that cast, so many different personalities and that movie made them stars. Yeah. I mean, this was like a, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was an independent film, correct? Pretty much. I mean, but I mean, cause I, and it goes around. I think the, the biggest name star, at least for me, when I first saw it was, uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember him from, you know, growing up, he was in a movie called Rookie of the Year. I don't know if you remember that one. Unfortunately. <laughs> but literally, like, all the, the cast was mainly unknowns. I mean, Allison Hannigan, she might have did a few things, but mm-hmm. for the most part, the cast, it was a cast of unknowns. And it was one of those movies that kind of came out of nowhere. They may, I don't think they expected it to be as big as it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this was the, you know, two brothers, Adam Hertz and, uh, or no, Paul and Chris White's. This was their film <laughs> debut, their directorial film debut. So this wasn't a very, it, it, this was a box office hit for them, though. That it was. Yeah. Yo, Box, if me and you directed this movie, I think the name of the, our name should have been like Dick Hurts. <laughs> Dick Hurts. <laughs> I like that. Dick Hurts. <laughs> yeah. Cunt Smasher. 
Yeah, it would it would it would have been puns up and through the credits if it was me directing this flick, man. All right, Oliver, close off. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right. Anyway, let's. All right. So yeah, number fifty is American Pie. Um, awesome movie, classic, epic. Oh yeah! Oh, real quick before we go to the next mm-hmm. one, special shout out to uh, Eugene Levy. I, I really think that guy doesn't get enough credit. I want to, I want to give him his props here. Yeah, you know, good point. You know, one of my favorite movies with him in it, and obviously it's a, a you know, we've mentioned it a, a few times. John Candy, Tom Hanks, Splash. Yeah, love that fucking movie. But he's like the evil villain in that movie, and yeah, yeah, yeah always good to see him doing something. Yeah, and I believe. Too. I think he was the only actor in the American Pie franchise to appear in every one of the movies. You'd be yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Pretty cool, man. All right. Yeah. All right. I guess we go to number 49 from there. Nice little tidbit, right. though. Thank you. All right. Number 49, I have to admit I have not seen this movie. Uh, 2005's Wedding Crashers. <laughs> Classic. This will be reviewed on an upcoming show. Yeah, it's very surprising to me that you haven't seen that movie, and you you absolutely have to see that movie. Yeah, I see Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and Christopher Walken. I'm hooked already. <laughs> there you go. I and mean, Will Ferrell's I, in it still. Yeah, it's a frat pack yeah. movie. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I see Will Ferrell's name in it too. So yeah, I will definitely be checking this movie out. Yeah. Most definitely. The only, the only thing I'll say about the movie. And this is not a critique of the movie. This is just a critique of uh, Vince Vaughn. I feel like, and I'm a Vince Vaughn fan, mm-hmm. but I feel like this is probably like his last great movie because I want to say around the time this movie came out, he was already in his mid-30s. And it's like he had kind of made a career out of like being like, um, I guess like an oversized adult, you know, like that break, you know, like that college kid, like almost like a Steve Stifler type character, except a little slightly more mature. Uh, basically, feel- basically, the character he played in old school was him in almost every movie. Yeah, yeah and he I- pretty much plays the same character. I, I, I can accept that because I like the character that he keeps playing. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, but I was saying though. But do you think that sometimes when you play those type of characters, you kind of like tight cash yourself because as you get older, it, I mean, when you're in your like mid, when you're like in your like late twenties, early thirties, you can beat it, you can get away with that. But once you start to get up in like your mid forties, it's kind of like. I mean, I love Adam Sandler to death, but it's kind of like when you see him like damn near fifty, still acting like it's nineteen ninety five. It's kind of like a turn off because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't type it doesn't type, uh, quite compute. Right, I, I get what you say, and that that's that's actually very fair because um, I was I was about to compare him to Eddie Murphy with his early movies because Eddie Murphy's early movies he basically played the exact same character, but. Like you said, he was in his 20s at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's definitely expanded since then. Absolutely. Yeah, he definitely has. Definitely has. I mean, mostly in Disney movies, but, you know, <laughs> we we have already said good for him on that. So, but, uh, yeah, man, I will definitely check this film out. I'm, uh, like I said, I see Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Christopher Walken, Will Ferrell has a notable yeah. cameo is what I see here, so... One I will check out. Can't go wrong with a frat pack movie. They're all great, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll definitely and check I, it out. And uh, thanks, Weebs. Uh, real quick, uh, the internship, that is an unofficial sequel. Not as good as 
the original Wedding Crashes, but I would definitely recommend checking that one out, too. Okay. Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn working for Google. Enough said. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Gotta see it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, so. Yeah, both good movies, but Wedding Crashers is the better of the two, though. But definitely go out of your way to see both. All right. All right, nice. Uh, All right, next movie, number 48. Wow. Wow. 1984, you want to talk about a classic fucking movie. I mean, a movie that changed shit. This is Spinal Tap. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Rob fucking Reiner. Rob Reiner, Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, Billy Crystal, Fran Drescher. This, This was a crazy fucking movie. I probably haven't seen it since like the early nineties, but wow, dude. What this definitely belongs comedy. This is hilarious, this whole movie. Yes. It's funny to me that it went it it went from it was originally a cult classic. Mm -hmm. It went from being a cult classic to pretty much just being a bona fide classic. Right. Right. It really did. And yeah, it definitely had that kind of like 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 that cult following. And uh but yeah, this was a movie that my sister's friend showed me when I was young, and I, I just sat there and laughed my ass off at it. Yeah, such a fucking great movie. Anthony, have you seen this one? It's been a long time, but mm-hmm. I I, uh, I can remember bits and pieces of it and just enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the scene in the airport where they have cucumbers stuffed in their pants, and <laughs> I th- th- trust me, there's so many. If you watch this movie, you're going to be like, holy shit, this fucking thing still holds up today. Yeah. You know what What that movie did for me? I've, I've been I've been in and out of a lot of studios and every studio I go to just in my own mind, because I know that I would be the only one in the studio to get it. But I would want to crank everything to 11. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. All right, now let me ask you some both you guys real quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know when she's going to come up on the show again. Uh, where would you guys rank uh, a young Fran Drescher? I mean, because she, you know, she had a nice little run in the 90s there with the nanny and a lot of other things. Yeah. Do you yeah. consider her like a fuckable during this time period? Yeah. Or no, not really. I, I, I say yes. And she was also in an early movie with Robin Williams called Cadillac Man, where she was kind of his his bang in the movie. Um, And she was pretty hot in that movie, too, man. But yeah, she was always even though her laugh is one of the most annoying things on the face of the earth, she, uh, yeah, yeah, she was always kind of, uh, she always had a little sexy about her in my, oh yeah, she did. Oh yeah. I'll agree with that. Just the voice kind of always threw me off. And I think she's talented, but for some reason I always kind of got the vibe that she was trying to be like a, a hybrid of like Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball. I mean, you and you take from the greats, don't get me wrong, but it just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Mm hmm. I got you. I got you. Yeah. And like I said, her voice really is one of the most annoying things on earth. But (laughs) that laugh is what made her money, dude. So keep fucking laughing like Eddie Murphy. The laugh is what fucking got him in there, man. You know, whatever gets your foot in the door, you know? Yeah. So, all right. I guess we go to number 47. I am a huge fan of these little series of movies. Uh, number 47 is 1983 British comedy, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Mm. Any fans of Monty Python 
in this uh, in this little three man group here, besides me. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I, I can't remember specifics, but I know that there was a period of time where I, I went out and rented on VHS. So this was a long time ago. Yep. Everything Monty Python that I could find. So, like, everything to me is all blended together. So I can't exactly remember which is which, but hell yeah, big Monty Python fan. I saw this movie right around 1990. Uh, My sister's friends showed me, literally, they had a party and they played Monty Python Meaning of Life, The Life of Brian. And then, of course, they ended it with the uh, the Holy Grail, because you have to oh, end yeah. with the Holy Grail. <laughs> right. right. I have been a fan of Monty Python ever since then. These movies are a little nonsensical. They're a little fucked up. They're even a little gruesome at times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they are fucking hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam. And Eric Idle, who, I mean, Eric Idle even had a cameo in uh, European Vacation. He was the guy squirting blood on the bike. The blood, right. right. Oh, <laughs> which, it's just a flesh was, wound. Right, right. And that was 100% of Monty Python bit. Absolutely. Too, you, know? so you had to appreciate that. <laughs> I, I really did appreciate the fact that they threw him in there. Yeah. Yeah, I really did. Um well, let's just go ahead on number 46, because we basically just talked about this man. Uh, Eddie Murphy, Paul Reiser, Beverly Hills Cop, 1984, number 46. Oh. Uh, not surprising. I'm going to go ahead and say this one maybe should be higher on the list, but... Yes. But, like I said, there's a lot of good movies coming up, guys, really. A lot of fucking good movies coming up. <laughs> And honestly, I don't think it can be overstated how important, you know, uh, Beverly Hills Cop was. Because you have to understand something. This came out, what, 84, you said? Yes. Yep. Eddie Murphy at this point was, I mean, he had been around Saturday Night Live. But at this point, he was still very much young into, young into his career. Mm-hmm. And the really, and literally, like, this is like his third movie, fourth movie. And to have it blow up the way it did when he's still, like, a kid. He's like 22, yeah. 23. I mean, I don't think that can be overstated. I mean, think about where you were at in your life at 22, 23. Mm. This man is already making millions. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 put you, that really puts it in perspective for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- there was a few years there. Anything Eddie Murphy touched turned to gold. Mm-hmm. Anything. And, I mean, you know, we've we've talked about it before. But, yeah, anything that man touched somehow just turned to fucking gold. So, and <clears throat> excuse me, and seems like it still does. Yeah, you know, seems like so, certain things he does still do turn to gold. I haven't seen that new movie he made, that kind of uh, drama type movie. I'm not, I forgot the name of it. What Dream Girls? No, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Weeb says that in May 6, 2015, Paramount Pictures pulled Beverly Hills Cop Four from its release schedule due to. Script concerns. Mm. Oh, 2015. I wonder what that could have been in 2015. Mm. Hmm. I don't think we need a Beverly Hills Cop 4. I really think after uh, his lieutenant died, that's it. You don't need You don't need any more. Mm. You don't yeah, need any more. That lieutenant was just... a big part of the movie. Whether it was small parts or not, he played a big role in those movies either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you think like 
I'm really not a big fan of reboots because I feel like that's part of the problem in Hollywood now, lack of creativity, relying too much on the past. But do you think they could have did something if they had to make a sequel? Maybe do something where he's kind of like that, you know, the old guard. With a dealing with a young him, I figure like that'll put like a unique twist on things. Put him as the lieutenant screaming at everybody. Basically, basically like an older Eddie Murphy having to deal with a younger Eddie Murphy and going like, shit, I get it. That would be interesting. It, it, I get it now. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I, I could see that. But the problem is, you know, they would, once they did four, they would be like, oh, it made money. I'll just do five, six, and seven. And it would turn into fucking Rambo where everyone was just making uh, fun of it. Police you know? Academy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Police Academy. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. It, it would just become a parody of itself. Yeah. Or, I mean, American Pie, which has become that, a parody of itself. I don't know, man. Like, I know, like, Eddie Murphy, like, he went through a, a dry spell where he wasn't making good shit, and I feel like he was just doing it for the money. But I feel like when Eddie Murphy, like, he's in his, when he's in his zone, and he has some good material to work with, I feel like to this day, he can still put out quality shit. But it's just a matter of him being motivated and having good material to work with. Yeah. Because I feel like the, the talent is still there, but it's just a matter of sometimes he goes to peers where it's just like, it's a paycheck. But I feel like if he's really invested in the material mm-hmm. and it's good material to begin with, he can still put, produce some good shit. Well, that's 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 kind of what happens when you care about what you're doing. Uh, so yeah. yeah, that 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 is what happens. Uh, by the way, Mr. Church was the movie that I was talking about. Mr. Church uh, didn't look great to me. It was another. It was kind of a serious Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, let's see. According to IMDb, Mr. Church tells the story of a unique friendship that develops, develops, I can't speak tonight, when a little girl and her dying mother retain the services of a talented cook, Henry Good Joseph Lord. Church. What begins as a six-month arrangement instead spans into 15 years and creates a family bond that lasts forever. Yeah, there's a reason I skipped this movie. Yeah, I could do without that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's like, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen t- a serious Eddie Murphy movie that I enjoyed. Because hmm. he, he hadn't really done too many. No. So, I can't even think of any off the top of my head. He um, wasn't playing some type of comedic character. He always throws a little bit of comedy. Like, I mean, Metro, he was sort of a serious cop. But he was still a smartass for the most part. He was still a smartass. I'm looking through here. Metro, Vampire in Brooklyn, maybe? Still sort of a... That was still comedy to me. Yeah, that was comedy. I mean, but even with his comedies, I'll give him this. He can... uh, There are always moments where he has... Where there's a dramatic part, you know, or Mm -hmm. an emotional part. And he, he plays that well, but I have zero interest in seeing that through an entire movie. Yeah, and I guess the most serious part he ever played was in Best Offense, The Lieutenant. I guess that's probably the most serious part. Maybe even The Golden Child, he threw a couple jokes in there, but all in all, that was kind of a serious movie, which I would like I to get know. to. I still saw that as funny. I yeah, still saw that as funny. I would definitely still like to get to that movie one night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, um, all right, let's roll on to number 45. We, 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 we've done the Eddie Murphy thing recently. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, really, there's just not enough good things to say about the guy, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's a conversation you could have so many times. Absolutely. Uh, but rolling on to number 45, and I'll tell you what, we're going to get to Eddie Murphy in just a minute. Again, 
But number 45, uh, 2000, Meet the Parents. The original Meet the Parents. Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson. Good movie. I like this one. I think the first one is the best one. Loved it. Loved it. it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely loved this movie. Bobby? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I actually like them all. Honestly, I liked all of the... uh... All of those the Fokker movies that I saw, they yeah. weren't all they weren't all uh, you know the same quality as the first one, but I did enjoy them. I'll be honest, I think the one with Dustin Hoffman is the best of all all of them. That's Meet the Fockers, right? The second one, uh, yeah, is that the second one? Yeah, yeah, yes. I yeah, yeah, the really, second one is where they meet the in laws. I honestly think that's the better of the, the uh, that's the best one in the series. You know, I think the third one. Which I'm sure won't be on the list, so I'll go ahead and bring it up. Uh, Little Fockers, is uh-huh. that it? I think yeah. that one that actually came from a joke. I don't think that movie was ever even supposed to be made. Uh, wow. In many ways, no. <laughs> I, I, I skipped that one. How was it? It wasn't the best. It wasn't. It, you know, I skippable. I enjoyed it. I'm gonna. I enjoyed it. I realize, of course, it wasn't a great movie, but you know, it, it was enjoyable. You could tell that they didn't take as much care. The the quality wasn't as great as the the first two. Um, I think really that it was only made honestly because, like I said, it came up in an interview. I can't even. It might have been Conan or somebody brought it up in an interview. Like, yeah, you should make one called Little Fockers. So it kind of like, and they kind of just laughed it off and said, "Hey, that's not a bad idea." Oh, you know, great. <laughs> nah, yeah, I, I guess know. according to Boxman, it ended up being a bad. Yeah, idea. I I didn't think that that was a good one, but I, the the first two were really really good. I did yeah. I, I really enjoyed the, but I think the second one was the best out of the series in my opinion. I don't know why. Maybe it was the dynamic with Dust. I, I like Dustin Hoffman anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and, and what I appreciate about the original, especially. And I, and I kind of like where it kind of like you can understand why people put like De Niro on like that high, you know, thrush, you know, high, um, self esteem in terms of, um, acting. Right. I really respected his ability to make fun of himself between this and analyze this, analyze that. Yeah. yeah. He, he really kind of like, he was, he had that reputation of like always being the mob guy. I, I mean, with the exception of a Bronx tale, every character he ever played up until these movies was basically a variation of the same type character. Oh, yeah. Dude, you got to realize. He has said in an interview he didn't even make real, real, real money in Hollywood until he started doing these comedies. These, these, these Meet the Parents, you know, the Fokker series really started making him a lot of fucking money. And he said that. He said, yeah, I mean, I made decent money, but these Meet the Parents movies just blew it away. Because he kind of like, he became like, um, uh, more accessible to like more of a mainstream audience because as much as you know we amongst us like the Goodfellas and the uh, Mean Streets and the um the Godfather type movie those appeal to like a certain segment of the fan base. Right, 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 right. They, right. they, they don't appeal to everybody. You can't you can't bring your kids to see Goodfellas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You you you're not going to bring your you, you can, but you know <laughs> probably be. And in today's world, you probably get reported. <laughs> yeah. All right, and you know what? I mean, we're sitting here talking about, you know, the Little Fockers movie being shitty, but, you know, here's a comparison, thanks to Weebs for this. 
Uh, Little Fockers, 300 million. The budget was 100. <laughs> that tells you, I mean, that literally wasn't a great movie in my opinion, but the franchise still had a following. So, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? They, they, I mean, obviously, and, but the, then he puts down here, Meet the Fockers, the original, you know, made 500 mil. Wow. Wow, that movie was fucking huge, man. 500 million. Um, all right. Number 44. Let's do it. All right. I said we're getting oh. right back to Eddie Murphy. So we are. Coming to America. Oh, yes. Send the, this, this, this should, I'm sorry, man. It's... This should be higher, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> the stuff the, the, the so glow uh, commercial alone <laughs> makes this a classic. I, mean, I, I can't. I to this day, I can't tell you. I still listen to that song to this day because they actually made a a, a remix of it on YouTube that mm-hmm. you can look up. It's amazing. It. It's amazing. I'm actually surprised. Like Eddie Murphy didn't try to release that as a legitimate single. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it could have made some money. You never know. You never know. But uh, coming to America, go back in the archives. You can check that out on there. We did review that movie. It was one of our first, actually. Sherry Headley. My God. Yeah. Still looks good, by the way. Yeah. Great movie, though, man. One of of my favorites. Uh, Quick story. uh, (laughs) Eddie Murphy. This is at the peak of Eddie Murphy being good with characters and whatnot. And uh, you know who's in this movie, right? Uh, John Amos. Mm-hmm. Good times now. Mm-hmm. To this, I mean, I, I think John Amos is probably in his seventies now, and I still wouldn't want to fuck with him because he just always had that disposition of don't cross him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he he actually told a story, uh, like when they were making Coming to America, he was like on a, he was on his lunch break, and to show you how good Eddie Murphy was at playing characters, Eddie Murphy in character I had approached him, and uh, basically, hey, so you a big actor, huh? But he's basically talking shit to him. And, like, John A. was trying to be polite, saying, excuse me, I'm trying to eat my lunch. And um, he said it got to the point where he just was ready to slug the shit out of him. And I think he was when, um, I think Eddie was in character as a Jewish guy. I was about to say, it sounds like the the, the old Jewish man. He was... <laughs> yeah. And he said, that shows you how, that's when he realized, because at that point, Eddie was still kind of like, even though he had made some money, he was still young into his career compared to where John almost had been, right? Mm-hmm. But he said it was at that moment where he knew, like, this guy is special. Wow. Because he said, you don't know how close I was clocking you. <laughs> and he said it dead serious, too. Like, this picture, <laughs> every stereotype you have of an angry black man is John Amos summed up. <laughs> That's a bad motherfucker right there, dude. Um, all right. But yeah, coming to America, I mean, come on. I don't think, I, I think we've, we we said a ton of great things about that. Again, we've done enough Eddie Murphy talk. Of course, Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson in this movie. Uh, for a quick minute, James Earl Jones and his yes, uh, Bobby kind of sounds like James Earl sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I've been told, and uh, <laughs> uh, actually, um, you know that make you know that McDowell's because they couldn't use McDonald's, obviously, right? Yeah. Uh, recently, um, I want to say out uh, in select uh, areas in New York, like Queens, and this, they actually opened up a McDowell's. I'll be <laughs> damned! Of course they did. Yeah, of course. Those in. That's actually a fun little tidbit. Nice. All right. We're off to 43 then. <sighs> I believe we mentioned one of these in the bottom 50 of this movie. Toy Story. 
1995, the original Toy Story. Are we still kind of on the old uh, animated movies probably don't belong on this list train? I don't know. I'm not. I, I, I think that there might be some animated movies that belong on there, but... Mm-hmm. What what some people might think is a little shocking, especially since I'm I'm a, a parent. I've never seen any of the Toy Story movies ever. Wow, never seen them. Really just worked out that yeah, it just worked out that way. I've never avoided them or anything. It's just I just never 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 watched any of them. All right, I mean they're decent movies. I mean I'm not going to say yeah. oh they're fucking great, but. They're good, yeah. and I, I, again, we we sort of think some of this list had to do with how much money these movies made, and mm-hmm. this one definitely, this one still makes fucking money today, so, you know. This and man, oh, I'm, I'm actually glad we brought this up, mm-hmm. Toy Story. Gives me a, an excuse to kind of squeeze this in real quick, because I don't know if I'll get to bring it up again. Oh, boy. Uh, No, no. Well, I want to get you guys' opinion on something. All right. So, uh, last week, caught a little flack for uh, my opinion on uh, Forrest Gump being a comedy. Right? Okay, okay. all right. Now, all right. Now, now, I just wanted to kind of like put a little uh, clarity on that. I understand that that movie had like a lot of dramatic parts to it, mm-hmm. but do you think that the way, and I'm not trying to like, not making any negative comments towards uh, anybody that has like mental dis- uh, disabilities or anything like that, but do you think that the way Tom Hanks played that character lended itself to like a comedic type of role even though that's probably wasn't what he was going for but you know the lieutenant dan and the the way he played it was comedic i understand that he was surrounded by a lot of serious shit but if you look at the way he played that character it came across as comedic life is like a box of chocolate he came across as like a country bumpkin Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i guess so and i guess I don't know. I like I said, man, I'm not a huge Forrest Gump fan at all. So I know. I'm sorry. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm not. Well. Just not a very uh very big fan, so alright. Toy Story forty three. Let's go on to number forty two. Another movie we just recently reviewed, uh nineteen ninety two, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we just talked about that movie, you know, Michael, uh, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey. So I don't think we need to get much into that one. I guess, uh, Bobby, you got anything on that one? Um, no, I just, I don't want to keep saying that it should be higher. <laughs> I don't, don't want to keep saying that about every movie. Um, it I definitely it. belongs on the list. <laughs> I got it. All yeah. right. I, you're probably right. Uh, all right. But here we go. Number 41. We're all going to say this one should be higher. I know we are. Uh, 2008 Step Brothers, Will Ferrell, oh. John C. Riley should yeah. oh, be higher. Yeah, man. I, I, I'll be honest, man. Like, and you guys might think I'm out of line here, but I'm going to say, for a good eight or nine year stretch in the 2000s, Will Ferrell was the fucking man. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. you, you, whatever Eddie, you know, what Eddie Murphy was to the 80s, this man was to the early 2000s. What Adam Sandler was to the 90s, this guy was to this time period. I really feel like he had like a long stretch. You know, you got old school. You got, you know, Step Brothers. You got, you know, Shake and Bake, um, Talladega. This man, golden. I feel like, honestly, it, it boggles my mind that a guy who has the reputation of like being very boring and very soft-spoken and, and just like very reserved in real life made these type of movies. But God bless him for it. 
shows that he has true God-given talent. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. He And like you said, man, he was on fire during these fucking years. Absolute fire. So even his cameos, like the movie could have been trash, but if Will Ferrell wasn't in it for two minutes, he would save it for me. Yeah. Yeah. He he would he saved he saved Saturday Night Live sketches that he wasn't even the, the main focus of. Right. I think I said I think I said last week, and I'll say it again, for a while there, I would have I would have said to anybody that for a while he was the funniest man alive. I believe for a while there, I would have said that he was the funniest man alive. I could see that, dude. I could definitely see that, man, because he really, and it's amazing. Like I said, you know, people say off camera, he's a fucking, a a mope, a fucking bore. (laughs) Most comedians are. Yeah, yeah. But so, but it's, it's just weird. I mean, then, you know, the camera's on and you see the guy we all see and we're like, oh, he'd be great to hang out with. And everyone's like, no, not really. Now, let me ask you something. You know, Bobby, you just made a good point there about him saving uh, Saturday Night Live during that time period that he was on. Would you guys put him in the same league as ever as a uh, Belushi, or is that like too high a praise? Since they kind of did that, they were similar but different in some respects. Definitely different. I would go more different than similar at all. I mean. You know, obviously there was Chris Farley who, you know, basically followed in the exact footsteps, almost blueprint of Belushi. But uh, I don't know, man. I think, you know, Will Ferrell, you know, I've never really heard of him being a fucking, you know, drinking, drugging kind of guy. But Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about no, no, like, I, outside. I, I, I know, no, no, yeah, 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 I, I know. But I, I, I don't think, I think it was a different level. I, I, I'm, I, just, I'm just talking about in terms of like this commanding like that presence on screen like when belushi was on when he was on the screen he kind of took control he was almost like a like a a windmill like a a a force field of energy whenever he was in a scene Hmm. yeah yeah i mean you know and we we reviewed animal house and you know pretty much every scene belushi was in was a memorable scene yeah and the funny thing is like (laughs) you bring that up I think if you uh, add up the total amount of time he was on screen, he might have been on screen like 20-something minutes. Because his character originally wasn't supposed to be as big as it was. So now, like, they kind of rewrote history, and, like, whenever they come out with an anniversary edition, he's front and center. But if you look at the actual movie, he wasn't even in the movie for a full half hour if you add up all of his total runtime. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you know what, I guess I could see him on that level, because both of them do do make an impact every time they're on screens. Yeah, I I, I guess And interestingly... And yeah, and it, it is. I, I would say that it's also fair because, like, I, I was really. It took me a minute. I was quiet because it took me a minute to really think and compare. They were both on at times when the the entire cast was a powerhouse cast. Belushi was on with the original, not ready for prime time players, and they were all peak performers. Mm-hmm. And and for him to stand out with the level of performers that he was working with. That's saying something, and it really is the same with Will Ferrell because he was on during the, during the time with the great cast with Chris Kattan, Sherry O'Terry, Anna Gasteyer, Molly Shannon, uh, Daryl Hammond was there. That was a great cast, mm-hmm. and he stood out every single time. Right? Yeah, you're right, man. So yeah, I, I guess that is a fucking uh, a good comparison, Anthony. Yeah. So, all right. On that note, jumping to number forty. 
This one's going to catch everybody in the feels a little bit. 1993, Robin Williams, Pierce Bronson, Sally Field, Miss Doubtfire. Man, uh, I got time for Robin Williams all day, man. I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I might get teary-eyed because I, I miss that man every day, man. I, big part of my childhood growing up. Love this movie. This yeah. book, uh, Cadillac. I mean, so many classics that man left us with. Mork and Mindy. One of my favorite to this day, one of my favorite shows. Yeah, and Miss Doubtfire was such a gr- it, it was a good story, a great movie, and you know Robin Williams, man, just being Robin Williams. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know we've talked about him a ton of times on the show. You know, said how great he is, how great he was, yeah. but uh, this movie here really and... put him. I'm not going to say put him on the map, but it really showed uh, it, it showed it, his range. It showed his range, and I'm I'm going to say this movie really did blow up his career more than more than it was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I'll say this about the character. I mean, normally, like you know, you know, your Tyler Perry's, your Martin. Normally, when guys kind of like do the you know dressing and drag thing, that's time. That's kind of like a sign that their career is on a downturn. But if you if you if you look at the way he played this character, like once he put that makeup on and he really became a different person, and he gave like a layer of emotion and character that he made you care about Mrs. Doubtfire as a completely separate person. I think that's why this movie holds up because it didn't it wasn't just like a typical Robin Williams type comedy. It was something that you could bring the family to. You know, he was a father going at extra mile for us. Who can't relate to that? Mm-hmm. Just on a human on a basic human level. If you love your kids, you're going to separate heaven and hell to do what you got to do to be a part of their life. And I think that's kind of what spoke to people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a it was a very touching movie. And, it was. you know, not it, it, it had the comedy, but it also had the real, you know, story to it, which made it a great movie. And like I said, you know, it was Robin Williams being Robin Williams, just, you know, going out there and, yeah. you know, yeah. just making a character believable. Yeah. And and I defy anybody to watch the courtroom scene at towards the end of the movie where he kind of gives that uh that heartfelt speech and that the moment him and uh Sally feels I mean that that gets you right in the feels every time, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. So uh all right, let's move on to number thirty nine. Another movie I'm I, I everyone's gonna be mad I haven't seen this. Two thousand seven super bad. Hmm. Have you seen it, Bobby? Yeah, I actually own that on DVD. All right. Same here. Yeah. And, and I got to say, I mean, I, I know a lot of people, especially now since he lost the weight, don't like Jonah Hill. But I really feel like this movie and uh, Accepted, I think the guy's underrated. My opinion. I don't know where you stand on him, Bobby. I think he's underrated. I think he kind of became like a douchebag once he lost the weight. <laughs> but back when he was kind of like in that Chris Farley uh, phase of like just being ridiculously big, I feel like he was at his best. Yeah, I, I think he's a talented guy. He actually, um, I don't know how much you know about him being in this movie, but he kind of got lucky uh, being cast in this movie because he wasn't a star. I think they wanted, I think they wanted a, a bigger name, and they definitely wanted somebody younger because oh, how old was he? He was in his late twenties, I think, at the time, and he's playing a high school kid. Mm-hmm. Basically, he basically he was playing Seth Rogen. 
and he's damn near the same age as Seth Rogen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was playing a young Seth Rogen. Right. You know, um, but yeah, man, they they cast him in that movie from just uh, a very small role, a part that he was also lucky to catch from uh, what was it, uh, the forty year old virgin, I think. I think oh. yeah, he had a he had a he had a very very brief uh, ca- cameo, I guess. Uh, well, they they couldn't have cast anybody at all, but he got lucky. Wow. He was just you know they knew like he was just hanging around Hollywood. I mean, he was an actor; he was trying to trying to get work, but he was just hanging around. And um, uh, I guess whoever was directing or somebody said, "Yeah, man, you know he's a nice kid. You know why don't we why don't we." You know, try him. It's just only only for a minute. So you know, he was on screen for a minute. Seth Rogen fucking loved him and said, "Yeah, man, I, I want him in Superbad. He it has to be him." So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he got he got super lucky, man. His career was built off of that. Yeah, and he did have a quick cameo in one episode of NYPD Blue. <laughs> Jonah, okay, right? Jonah, okay, yeah. Uh, what season, bro? What season? Ooh. I think it was season six. Wow. I would have to look, but I think it might have been season six. But yeah, he was in one. I mean, really quick. All he did was in, uh, they, they came in asking for his boss and he went, hey, boss, cops. That was it. Over. Jonah Hill. Done. Well, Boxman, I think you should check out Super Bad. I don't know how you would feel about it, honestly, but, you know, it. it I think you should definitely check it out. I I I enjoyed it enough to have to buy it. It was uh, it, it is on my Netflix to watch list. Okay, so it, it is there. Um, all right, let's go ahead and jump to number thirty eight. Number thirty eight is probably one of the most known classics, or used to be one of the known cla- most known classic comedies out there. Um, the Jerk. Steve Martin, oh. 1979. <laughs> yes. This was, Fuck yes. This was Steve Martin's first starring feature film role. Yep. That's how, Something you definitely couldn't do today. <laughs> no, no. And this movie is absolutely insane. But I will tell you what. When I watch this movie, I think this is where Pee Wee Herman got, his, got most of his character from. It's funny that you say that because I was going to say if that movie had been made <clears throat> 10, 10 or 15 years later, mm-hmm. it would have been Jim Carrey. Real? Okay. I could definitely see Jim Carrey in that same role. You think he could have pulled this off, though? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's that's high praise. Cause, but some, it's like certain movies that I'll see and I'm like, they were tailor-made for certain people. I can't see anybody else in this role but Steve Martin. Yeah, Jim Carrey, I could see doing this one too. Mm-hmm. Most yeah, it's a classic. I love, 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 love that movie. Love it. Yeah, it, it it's a great movie. It's a crazy little ride to to, to watch this film, but uh, yeah, definitely one worth watching. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Anyone else on the jerk? No, no, no. It's classic. Go watch it. There you go. All right. Another classic we're bringing up here, number 37, is 1963, The Pink Panther. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I don't, I, okay. I don't 
think I've ever seen this original one before. It's been a long time for me, man. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen the original one. I've seen the seen the Steve Martin one, which is kind of shitty. Yeah, didn't didn't need to be made. <laughs> didn't need to be made, and I think that might be the one that I've seen. But I mean, I've seen the cartoon, obviously. Cartoons are classic. Yeah, Love. but don't think I've ever seen the 1963, the original Pink Panther. Don't think I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I have, but, you know, I was a kid when I saw it, so I don't really have too many memories of it. Yeah, 1963, we can go ahead and move on from that one right there. Yep. All right, number 36. Mm, Should be higher. Uh, (laughs) Steve Gutenberg, Bubba Smith, Kim Cattrall, 1984 Police Academy. The original. The The OG. Yeah. Yes, Bubba Smith, the human beatbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was, uh, oh, fuck, what was his name? What was his name? Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow. Yeah, yeah. Michael Winslow, thank you. The human everything, that guy was amazing, still is. He was, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Police Academy, man, I mean, kind of the uh, acting debut of uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh yeah! In man. this movie, uh, great, great comedy spawned way too many afterwards. Probably didn't need any more after the third one. Yeah, um, but yeah. with go ahead, Sorry, go ahead, Anthony. Okay, no, well, with, with with that being said, saying that there that there shouldn't have been any more after that. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I mean because yeah, the first one was the good one. The rest of them were like, okay, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Right now, I wouldn't mind seeing another one, like the like a next generation type of thing. Yeah, the problem is, man, it would have to be so PC. Well, it wouldn't have to be. <laughs> well, it wouldn't have to be, but of course, you know, got, then all of a sudden you'd have a fucking, you know, people would have a fucking rally and be screaming on a microphone and shit like that. But well, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, look at. Look at some of the recent movies that have come out that that are kind of like dude type of movies, man. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah. uh, the Hangover movies, Hot Tub Time Machine. There, there are some pretty yeah. some pretty yeah, raunchy right. movies. You know? Yeah, but you don't see them coming out now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll put it to you like this. At the end of the day, 2018, 1970, you can make anything you want. It's just a matter of who's got the balls enough to take the heat. If you can take the heat, you can make whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And now Police Academy was so huge back then. Uh, and yeah, Weaves is bringing it up right here. 4.5 million budget, 155 million box office, this movie. This movie was a huge hit, especially in 1984. Um, 155 million in 1984 was huge. Yeah. This movie was a box office fucking buster at that at that point, you know. Also, you know what you know what I remember the uh, I believe the first one was the only one that was really raunchy. By the time they got to the uh, to the uh, sequels, those were kind of cleaned up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Or a lot, really. A lot, a lot, exactly, exactly. But uh, Police Academy. Oh, they're, the first one is always the best one in this in this series. The second one's mm. decent, but the first one, 
nothing's better than the first on Police Academy movies. Yeah. By the time it got to the end, Steve Gutenberg didn't even want to be in them. He wasn't even in the last one. Yeah. Yeah. He should have known better after three. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did uh, know better. I mean. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, once they did that um, mission to Moscow on that, that's probably when they should have said, yeah, why the fuck are we doing this shit? Oh, are we going to Russia now? Yeah, like, it's time to ramp it up. Yeah, that was absolutely horrible. And then the last one where they were, like, in Florida on the jet, oh, the jet ski scene. Oh, god damn. Damn, Bots, if you're shitting on Florida, I know it's a bad movie. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> uh, But anyway, let's go ahead to number 35 here. Number yeah. 5, another, 35, another uh, 80s movie. 1987, Billy Crystal, Andre the Giant, The Princess oh. Bride. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good movie it's made from one. a uh, made from a novel, Princess Bride novel, nineteen seventy three. Nice, I, I I like that this is in there. I mean, there were some really funny scenes in this movie. Yeah. Probably right in, a, in 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 the spot it should be actually. I could go along. I mean, I I love it. I I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I might have I might have actually put it a little lower, but I do love that movie. I love it enough to I, I own. That's one of them that I own. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. And it was so important to Billy Crystal that I want to say, a little over uh, ten years later, he made uh, My Giant, which is basically yeah. uh, an unofficial tribute to Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're right. You're right. So, all right, that's a great movie right there. But let's go ahead, number thirty-four, the forty-year-old virgin. We uh, you mentioned it a little <laughs> while ago. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Two thousand five. Yeah. Steve Carell, early Steve Carell movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Off the strength of the uh, Office. Yeah. This is one of the movies that kind of like uh, when uh when his contract came up, I want to say around like the second to last season of Office, where he said, "Yeah, I'm making money in Hollywood now. I'm done with this piece." <laughs> but uh, and, and I, I think we brought it up last week where he we all we all agreed that uh we don't like him as a leading man. Like he's more. Uh, he's he's more appropriate in a sidekick role, mm-hmm. but I, I I'll make I'll make an exception for this one. Yeah, he kicked yeah. ass in this movie. Yeah, like this movie, like was like as the focal point, it worked. Yeah. Him as the focal point, I can't say I liked him as the focal point of other movies, but in this movie, it worked. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I I I the, the only movie I really liked him in, and I know everyone's gonna be like, "What?" I don't think I saw that movie. What was it? The uh, Burt Wonderstone, the magician oh, I movie. That. I know. I don't remember. I don't. I don't know if I've seen that movie, but I do. I'm familiar with it. It's actually a really good movie. It was him and Steve Buscemi, believe it or not. But yeah. uh, that's a really good one. But yeah, I I honestly haven't seen Forty Year Old Virgin. Oh man, come Bro. on! I know, man. <laughs> I know, I know. You will enjoy that movie, man. I I, I know that you would. It's another one on the list. <laughs> oh, 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 speaking of another one, I'm going to put on the list. It's not really a comedy, but uh, it's uh called Dan in Real Life. All right, all right. I don't know if you oh, ever I saw could, that movie. That I was actually pretty good. I saw it. That 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 was not. It wasn't for me. It was too. I I couldn't. I emotionally. I didn't like how that movie made me feel. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> All right. I, I couldn't I couldn't get through it. All right. I'm actually surprised. I thought I would have been the only one that saw that one. <laughs> All right. 
Let's go ahead and go to number 33. What do you say, guys? All right. Yeah. Uh, right. Number 33, we're still in the 80s. Back, we're, actually, we're going back to the 80s. Uh, and funny, we are also going back to the future. 1985, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, back to the fucking future. Mm. Love. I catch, what? I want to catch some heat for this, but I, I love all of the Back to the Futures. Mm-hmm. My opinion, the second one was the best one in the series. I did the first one. I, I didn't dislike the first one, but it's just, it's not my absolute favorite. I think the second one is the best one. You know, you're not the only person I've heard say that. That's interesting. Well, everyone agrees the third one was the most ridiculous. Yeah, yeah the third one didn't need to be made. I, I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it didn't have to be made. No, it didn't. Nah, I kind of got a. I kind of like the first one the best. I'm the type of guy, and I mentioned it on the show before. I tend to like the first movie in every in every series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not even necessarily that they're the best movie in the series, because I mean, I, I don't think it's too big of an argument to say that uh, Terminator Two was the best movie in that series. But I just always liked the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the the first one was another movie that was absolutely huge. I mean, come on, there's fucking, there's rides in Universal Orlando, you know, dedicated to Back to the Future, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not called Back to the Future 2. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, I don't know, I look at it like this. I think the same reason I like Back to the Future Part 2 is the same reason I think Terminator 2 was as big as it was. Like that futuristic vibe, the technology had improved in comparison yeah. to when the first one came out. It just had more That's of a like, point. it had more of a uh, updated feel to it. Like if you watch the original true. Terminator and the original Back to the Future, it's not that as a movie it's not good, but the technology just wasn't there yet for the concept All to right. match the yeah. concept. Yeah. All right. yeah, yeah, that's very fair. Yeah, very, I can definitely see that one. Yeah, and since I started it last week and I I, I kind of dropped it on this week, and I don't even know why I kind of made this a thing. Back to the Future is one of the movies on the list of 100 that was made into a cartoon. <laughs> Another one that was mentioned earlier was Police Academy. Yeah, you're right. They both did have cartoons. You're right. Oh, shit. It was a, I, wow, this is new to me. There was a Police Academy cartoon? Uh-huh. There sure was. Yeah. It was, what, two or three episodes? Oh, man. It lasted maybe two seasons. And they actually, the Fat Boys <laughs> were on a couple of episodes, and they did the theme song. Oh shit! If if Kid and Play can have a cartoon dedicated to them, why can't Police Academy? So. Yeah, <laughs> the hell, man! Why not? Yeah. All right, all right. Let's go tonight to uh, number thirty-two. This is a uh, this is gonna this is a classic right here. Nineteen ninety-five. Dan Aykroyd, Rob Lowe, David Spade, and Chris Farley. Tommy Boy. Hmm. I'm a, I mean, the same way uh, Boxman, my co-host here, is a John uh, Candy Mark. Mm. I'm a big time Chris Farley Mark, and he didn't make many movies, but man, this one should be higher. This, this one, to me, to this day, is still a classic. It's one of those movies that you can put on and laugh just as much as you did the first time you saw it. Right. Perfect. Uh, perfect combination of physical comedy and heart. And I think he. I think as time went along, we would have saw. Chris Farley get better and better. And I mean, if he was this good in his first movie, if he had been around another 10, 20 years, I think he would have developed into that John Candy type of role, just being like a chameleon, being able to do anything. Miss that man every day, too, man. Yeah. Really do. 
Yeah, definitely, man. And yeah, this was definitely just an absolute epic movie. You saw the chemistry for the first time between, you know, Farley and Spade, and it was really, you know, really good to see, you know, because it would it had been a long time since we had a couple characters that came on with chem- with chemistry that, yeah. you know, went on to make more movies together. So this was good. I mean, this was a really good movie, and, and um, you know, Tommy Boy, dare I say, should be higher. Yeah. Now, script full of quotables, mm-hmm. that loaded with them. Yep. Now, now obviously, Tommy Boy didn't. It wasn't a direct. It didn't come from a direct uh, SNL skit like Wayne's World did. But uh, in terms of like chemistry, who would you say did it better, Spade and Farley or uh, Garvey and Myers? Mm, that's a tough one. Now, this even though this wasn't directly off of a Saturday Night Live, this, this film was still produced by Lauren Michaels, so. You know, there's that, but I would have to say Carvey and Myers. No, yeah, yeah, I got really, yeah, yeah, I think so. Really, you think they had better chemistry? I, I really they... got to say Spade and Farley, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, man, this is a fucking tough one, dude. I don't know, but yeah, I'm. I I think I'll go with. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with uh, yeah, Myers Carby. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with Bobby on this one just because I feel like there there was more of a tick for tat with Farley and uh and Spade. Spade would give it to him and Farley would give it right back. Whereas you felt like Carby was almost like a like like a doormat mm-hmm. for Myers, like and it was like the Mike Myers show. Whereas I feel like it was more balanced and equal with Farley and Spade. And Farley and Spade and Farley and Spade were legit friends, you know, True. and they were able to play those emotional moments. They were able to, I mean, and even, okay, comedically, I would, I would say that both Carvey and Myers are like, they're, they're just amazing. Just going off the cuff, just with the ad libs. They're right. amazing. But, but I mean, I guess that would make it a little bit tougher, but yeah, just as far as the actual chemistry and just actual genuine friendship, Farley yes. and Spade. All right. Yes. All right. I, I think we could, you could probably make an argument for either one. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Number thirty-one. Uh, quick cameo by John Candy in this movie. Uh, nineteen ninety. Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Home Alone. Classic man. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like a broken record, man. But what can, what else can you say? Home Alone. I, I dare I say, I think it's uh, I would say next to a Christmas Story, one of those movies that's must see, watch, a must watch every Christmas. Yeah, and this is another one we did review, so you can check that out in the archives also. But uh, yeah, Home Alone, man. I don't know. I mean, we've said a ton of great things about it, Bobby. You you can chime in on this one if you if you want to. Well, not to piss anybody off because I enjoyed the movie. I did. Uh-oh. I still do enjoy the movie, but I might have put it a little bit lower actually on the list. Mm. It definitely belongs on there. It definitely belongs. It's a classic for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the movies, <laughs> most of the movies on the list are classics, but yeah. there are some, there are some earlier that we mentioned that I might have, that I would have put above it, honestly. All right. All right. I understand. Wow. Might be the first movie we've said needs to be lowered. 
<laughs> Definitely tonight. It's the first movie we've said that about. But uh, all right, let's roll to number thirty. Number thirty is one of my favorite movies. To be honest with you, uh, Joe Pesci, Ralph Macchio, Marissa Tomei, nineteen ninety two. Mm. My cousin, my cousin Vinny. Vinny. <laughs> Great. Uh, Great yeah. fucking movie. Joe Pesci at his best, in my opinion, in this movie. There are not enough adjectives to describe the awesomeness of Joe Pesci. I mean, he gets his props, but I, I, I really think that people don't really appreciate how good of an actor this man is. Mm-hmm. The way the way he's able to like transition from role to role and really kind of like make you he kind of has this perception of like being like the big tough guy. But then he like with the uh, flip of a switch, he could go from that to Home Alone. He can go from Goodfellas to Home Alone, mm-hmm. from Home from Home Alone to With Honors, from With Honors to My Cousin Vinny. Totally different characters each yeah. and every role. And 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 uh, yeah, yeah, man. And and he's convincing enough, and like he's acceptable in any type of role that he plays, man. If yeah. he if he plays if he plays a, a just a slime ball. Uh, you know, and my cousin Vinny, you could accept that if he plays if he plays a a, a house burglar, <laughs> you know, you could accept that he can. This this man, this tiny little four foot two man, can play a gangster and scare the shit out of you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can accept it. Yeah, you know, he's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man, definitely great fucking movie though, my cousin Vinny. Um. <laughs> So, all right, let's roll. We'll probably get to 25, take a quick break. We're on 29 right now. Uh, right. 29, we are looking at uh, 1997, another movie with a, a, a bunch of sequels. Austin Powers, International okay. Man of Mystery. Mm-hmm. Yep. This was, uh, this was a, I don't know, out of the three, I think, I think, honestly, I like Goldmember out of all three of these movies. I think that this, was the best uh, yeah. one. This was a good one, but I think the the third one was the best out of all three of these. I think a lot of people would say that, but yeah, I'm sticking with sticking with the way that I feel about most movies. That's the, the first one is my favorite. Not right. saying it's the best one, but it's my favorite. Okay, I got you. I I, I understand. What about you, Anthony? Uh, for me personally, I like them all. They kind of, but they all kind of like blend together. Like all, if you look at all three movies in a bubble, it's basically the same jokes just recycled yeah. over and over. So overall, I enjoyed the series, but I'm kind of with you. I did enjoy the gold, the uh, gold member one best. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, I guess we don't need to say much. About, I mean, we've talked so much about Mike Myers. It's not, we're sitting there dwelling on it. Right. So, all right, let's just roll to number 28. My God, fucking excellent classic movie. I mean, talk, so talked about this movie still today. Uh, Tom Hanks, Big, a 1988 movie, uh, directed by Penny Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. Laverne. Laverne. Yeah, Laverne. Laverne. Uh, this is the second movie we've talked about on this list. Last week we talked about another Penny Marshall movie. But uh, Big, this movie was, yeah, so, no pun intended, this movie was so big. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really was. It was. It was yeah. huge. I, I mean, this is another movie that just fucking it made tons of fucking you know box office money. So. And, and to me, in my opinion, 
you know, this is like my favorite time next to like Forrest Gump. This is my favorite Tom Hanks movie. But I feel like Big more than any movie he's ever made or ever will make sums up in a nutshell his appeal, his charm. If you watch this movie, you immediately understand why Tom Hanks is one of the biggest stars out there. Mm-hmm. My opinion. That might be a stretch for some people, but I feel like this movie kind of sums up his career in a yeah. nutshell. I say you're right on. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, that chick who was banging him was kind of a pedophile. But anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How could she know? How could she know? Uh, But yeah, yeah. uh, 1988 is big. I mean, that movie just did so much for his career. And it was just a a huge blockbuster fucking hit. But uh, let's go ahead. Let's roll on to number 27. This movie definitely belongs on this list. Uh, Christina Applegate, Will Ferrell in 2004's Anchorman, the legend absolutely. of Ron Burgundy. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, and I don't know if you guys know, it's a, a East Coast uh, newscaster, no, uh, Jim Gardner, hmm. this, that this character was supposedly based on. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well. I'll tell you, man, I mean, we've already mentioned Will Ferrell, how great he is, but I'll tell you, these two movies are probably his greatest, in my opinion. Yeah. These two are absolutely amazing. You know, you got cameos from Vince Vaughn in this movies, in, in yep. both of these movies. Um, Pretty much the entire frat pack. I think both of the Wilson brothers were in there, mm-hmm. in cameos. Um, yeah. Uh, Yes, yes, Carol. Yep, yep, yeah. I mean, there's just so many, though. Yeah, there was tons of cameos in this movie, and yeah, most Stiller. of them rolled into the second one. Yep, Jack Black. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know why, but for my, from in my opinion, the only thing that could have made these movies better is if we had got like an Ed O'Neill appearance. For some reason, <laughs> I just think his character would have fit perfectly in these movies. All right, yeah, it could have definitely been a good, good thing, but uh, yeah, I can see that. Christina Applegate still looking great in these movies in two thousand four. God damn, she's she's like she doesn't age. Her face doesn't mm-hmm. fucking age. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. But uh, yeah, Anchorman number twenty seven, number twenty six, guys. Uh, Anthony, we recently did this movie too. We're getting into a lot of movies we've actually covered lately. Uh, Bill Murray, John Candy, uh, an Ivan Reitman film, 1981, Stripes. I think this is placed pretty much pretty appropriately. I think so, too. And like I said, when we start getting a little higher on the list, I mean, we're almost at 25. Then we're going to take a quick break. Uh, my dog is barking to go out. So <laughs> take a quick break. Let him out. Let him in. We'll uh, We'll get that handled. But, yeah, Stripes, I mean, we just reviewed it. And it's an excellent, excellent movie. Uh, but yeah, another one with John Candy. I mean, god damn. Yeah. See a pattern here, guys? John Candy, Bill Murray, yeah. right. Dan Aykroyd. Tons of movies with all all these guys. Will Ferrell is another one showing up, which, mm-hmm. you know. I'm sorry, Anthony. Kind of nice to be in company with, like, you know, Bill Murray, John Candy, Will Ferrell. No, yeah, and and, I, and I'm just gonna say it's a shame that when you look at like the cast of uh Stripes and who we lost, the Giant Candy, the Harold Ramis, this was that was a generation of guys that could do it off the cuff, and you don't 
you don't see too many people not to kind of discredit. I don't want to be one of those guys that discredits the new generation and the way they do things. But they back back in the day, man, 20, 30 years ago, those cats was cut from a different cloth. Even Eddie Murphy, throw him in there. We talked about him a lot. Guys that can just go off the cuff. You give them material, they can make it, they can stay on topic, but make it their own and create magic. And I feel like you don't have too many people that had that ability anymore. Mm-hmm. That unless it's like on a, unless it's on a page for them, they can't they unless somebody calling the shots for them, they don't have that ability just to like feel the material. Because anybody can memorize material, memorize lines, but not enough people out there, in my opinion, making it their own and creating magic with it. Right. You're seeing that in all art right now. You're seeing the same thing in pro wrestling. You can't. You're not. You're not going to find anybody who can cut a natural promo. And even in in uh, like rappers, you can't. You're not. Fi- you're finding rappers who refuse to freestyle, or you know, you, you get on. They get on a radio show and they are offended because they're asked to freestyle. Like yeah. nobody can co- go off the cuff anymore. It seems. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, they're, they're they're all afraid too. And I mean, it yeah. kind of kind of. You know, points right to the fucking talent. I mean, these guys yeah. were just natural talent back then, and it's yeah. it's it's a it's yeah. it's dying off, is what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, as far as the to Bobby's point about the freestyling, memorize lines, folks. It's not freestyling. <laughs> when <laughs> right. you when you're reading your lyric when you're reading your lyrics off a piece of paper or a uh, fucking cell phone, that's not talent. That's not talent, bro. I'm sorry. You might have came up with the words, or somebody may have wrote it for you, but memorizing it is not te- is not freestyling. Just want yeah. to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, but uh, all right, we're gonna talk even more talent coming up in the next movie here. We're gonna get to this movie here. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come on back. We'll finish this list off. Uh, number twenty five, a movie we've talked about. We will definitely get to during this Christmas season coming up. Nineteen eighty nine, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, again, when I talk about talent, you know, Chevy Chase in this movie, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, really Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Juliette Lewis, who I always thought she was kind of a hottie. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the third technical, uh, I guess you could say, installment in the uh, National Lampoons with Chevy Chase in it. So, but this is another one. I mean... This one's right up there with Home Alone. Like you said, every Christmas, this movie gets put on in my house. And, 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 I, and I'm going to steal uh, from Bobby a little bit here. Uh, I enjoy this movie, mm-hmm. but but it, it's hard to top the original National Lampoons for me here. That, that that original one, to me, in every sense of the word, I know we've used that word a lot. And we're going to use it more as we finish out this list. But that original National Lampoons Vacation is a classic, man. Yeah, now... We're only on 25, so we still have 25 movies left, so it could be a little mm-hmm. higher. The, the original one could be higher on the list, is all I'm saying. I would imagine that it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, But yeah, this is another movie every single fucking time it's on during Christmas. I don't care what channel it's on. I don't care if there's commercials. I'm fucking stopping and watching this movie. <laughs> Can you say that about the sequel to this that came out like 20 years later, I believe? No. I can't. <laughs> and, and, and and to show you how much of a piece of shit that was, I don't think even Chevy Chase it for now. And his career at that point was on the skids. Well, yeah, he was known as being a dick at that time. So, I, mean, I know he was doing community, but I think this is around the time where he was about to get kicked off or he walked out or left something. But his career could have used the boost from something else. Well, so you figured always... he would have jumped on it. 
Yeah, well, there was that Comedy Central roast where he was, like, pissed off the whole time and people were making fun of him. And, I mean, it's a fucking roast. What did you expect? <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's almost like he wasn't uh, in on a joke. That's what made it funny. Ugh, it didn't. It You know what? It didn't make it funny. He made the whole thing uncomfortable, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but, all right, that was number 25. Uh, guys, quick break. Let me get my dog outside before he pisses all over my house. <laughs> and uh, we'll be right back. We'll do the top 25 on this list. We'll knock that out, and then we'll uh, we'll get it done. All right. All right. So we will see okay. y'all All right. in just a few minutes. All right, guys. All right. Sorry about that, guys. But when a dog's got to piss, a dog's got to piss. So, dogs out. We are going to get back to this list. Now, before we get back to this list, I um, want to do a few plugs here. Obviously, you can always find a THT Movie Review uh, here on Mixer.com slash THT Podcast. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take next week off and uh, kind of come back a little bit reformatted, a little leaner, a little meaner. And uh, we'll get into that a little more uh, in a couple weeks here. But uh, guys, need to go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash THT Network. Go there. Go ahead. Start donating. We already got uh, five or six episodes up there that uh, have not been released to iTunes. So go ahead. Check that out. We're already up there. And uh, there's going to be a ton more content coming on so just wait for it you guys are going to get a bunch of shows coming up soon so uh once again patreon.com slash thd network yes all the dick talk you can handle no <laughs> no dick talk no dick talk <laughs> no dick talk on patreon <laughs> no dick talk on patreon for five dollar you get no dicky talkie <laughs> Five dollar, you get no dicky talky on five dollar. <laughs> you cannot get everything you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that movie should be on here too. No, it shouldn't. I'm kidding. It's not a, that's not a comedy. Not on this list. <laughs> no, no, that'll be on a whole other fucking list. Fucking gruesome uh, war movies. Great movie. Great oh, movie. What a fuck. Talk about, you know, we mentioned the movie. Yeah. We, we said the word classic. What a classic fucking movie that is. Yeah. Uh, what movie? Full Metal Full Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Ah, uh, yeah. We will get to that movie one night. There's a lot of shit going on in that movie. I'd, I'd yeah. love to talk well, about that one. I mean, we'll review anything. I think we'll get to every movie except, like, the crying game. <laughs> What's wrong? Stir up some feelings, Anthony? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, you see that movie for the first time when you're a youngster, it kind of throws some things off for you. Well, it does throw a few things out of whack, if you will. Um, <laughs> hi oh, uh, all right, let's, let's, uh, all right, let's go ahead. We're back. Let's get back to this list here. Um, and I'll remind everybody of the Patreon, THT. Network, patreon.com slash th network. Once again, at the end of the show. But anyway, number 24, we're going to go ahead right back to this list. Uh, 1996, Happy Fucking Gilmore, another movie we just recently reviewed. Yes. So, 
I, I'll reiterate my uh, sentiments about Will Ferrell. Uh, Adam Sandler in the 90s, bro. I mean, mm. pretty much out of nowhere. I mean, if you had to say it, if you had to say it five years earlier, like 90, 91, that this was the guy that was going to like dominate the 90s in terms of movies making millions, people probably would have laughed you out of the building. <laughs> think about it. I mean, think about it. Like, who could have predicted what Adam Sandler would have become? Would have became? He yeah. really, he really kind of came out of nowhere. And literally, I mean, we've said this before. It's really just fucking baby talk. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. I'll say he didn't really come out of nowhere, but he was he was the type with from his Saturday Night Live sketches. He was the type that you figured you would only be able to take in those small doses with him doing the baby talk and all mm-hmm. of the the wacky yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, man, he was able to really grab a, a stronghold on the movies just doing that goofy style. Yeah, yeah and, it was a, and, it was and a then, shocker. Yeah, and then he did a few serious roles, you know, uh, like mm-hmm. like like Punchline and a few or well, Punchline, right? Punchline. Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. Thank you, Anthony. You know, I mean, he took on some more serious roles. Uh, you know, Fifty First Dates, as much as it's still a comedy, is still a pretty serious role for an Adam Sandler type character, which I love that movie, by the way. I, I, it kind of no. a guilty pleasure rom-com of mine. But, it, no. What? I would say, like, I'm not real quick. Uh, the one movie where he kind of like really stepped out of his comfort zone. Uh, it's called uh, Rain Over Me. Uh huh. They were Don Cheadle, Jada Pinkett oh. Smith. If you've never seen that movie, go out of your way. It's a good movie. And uh, but it's just it, it's, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> For I mean, and normally that's not the type of feeling you get from an Adam Sandler flick. But just get yourself prepared. It's a good movie, but it's depressing as fuck. It's basically based off of uh, a guy trying to cope with life post nine eleven. Hmm. I heard it was a great movie. I I, I can't bring myself to watch it. I, I can't watch. You know, I just I don't want to watch a movie that's kind of an emotional downer, and that's what I get from that. I mean, I, I hear nothing but great things about it, though. I, I will give it a shot. I mean, like I said, it's it's it'll take you on a roller coaster, but it does have its good moments in it. Oh, but and it, it it things pretty much end on a high note. But I would definitely recommend seeing it. But I'm not going to lie to you; it does take you on an emotional roller coaster. All right, I'll 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 check that out. That is in my uh, little Adam Sandler external hard drive list of movies to watch of his. So I will check that one out. Um, Bobby, anything on Happy Gilmore? Anything more? Or you good? Or? No, there's nothing more to say, man. It was, it, it's <laughs> it, it's right where it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I got a feeling there's going to be a couple more Adam Sandler movies coming up in this list. I'll just um, add a top five fight scene with Bob Barker. Ah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's go ahead. Number 23. Number 23 is 1988 Ben Stiller, Cameron Diaz. There's something about Mary. The Al Timers kicking their box? You mean 98? What did I say? 88? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. 1998. I don't know what happened, dude. I don't know. I'm high. I'm drinking beer. I've been sitting at this computer <laughs> since 1.30 this afternoon. Don't ask. Uh, but anyway, yeah, 1998 comedy, something about Mary, um, and sort of the resurgence of Matt Dillon, would you say, in this movie? Because I don't think he had done a movie in a long time since this one. Matt Dillon, uh, yeah. I believe the last movie he did before this was what, Wild Things? Yeah, he, yeah. This, and I, honestly, this was the reemergence of uh, 
his career, and I feel like this is the movie that really kind of like put Ben Stiller on the map forever in a day because he had been around obviously way before this. But I feel like this is the movie that kind of like put him in the public consciousness forever. And yeah, it boosted his career. It um, it was the breakout for uh, Cameron Diaz. Like that movie, yeah, man, that movie did some amazing things for everybody in it. Chris yeah. Elliott too, because I know he kind of y'all guys kind of shit on him last week. Did, well, <laughs> would you say like this, this is your favorite his movie? <laughs> I shit on him. I, like I don't you. find him that funny. That's just personal. I like me. Chris Elliott, man. I love Get a Life. <laughs> yeah, that was me who was shitting on Chris Elliott and Tom Green. That was me. That was me. <laughs> I'll admit. No, it. but, I'll but admit will it. you will, will you give him credit in this that he gave some good life advice to not just Ben Stiller but anybody watching like. You got a pre-game before a big day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the scene where her hair is sticking straight up is really good. That's funny as hell, dude. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. There was some really... This was a really great comedy. It really, really was. Good. It really was. And I think you're right. It probably did sort of put Ben Stiller on the map as a great comedy actor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it was kind of the resurgence of Matt Dillon and... I like Matt Dillon. I mean, fucking outsiders, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, badass. No dally. Not dally. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking love that movie, man. Talk about a movie yeah. that had a ton. Of, talk about a movie with star power, and you never knew that it. That cast. That wow. cast. That's all you can say about yeah. that movie. We will definitely. That's going to be a, a, a good special episode, because that's a great and, movie. And uh, Outsiders, I don't care what anybody says. He's kind of become a forgotten man, but props to uh, C. Thomas Howe. I really feel like he deserves a hell of a lot more credit than he gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely does. Pony boy. Yeah. I got a friend uh-huh. named uh, I got a friend named Tony who still to this day calls me Pony boy. <laughs> I don't know why I don't look like Pony boy, but whatever. I think he said it was the hair, the hair. So, all right, let's go ahead and roll on to number twenty-two. Uh, 2004 British horror comedy, Shaun of the Dead. Another one I haven't seen, guys. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Anthony? Uh, uh bits and pieces, but I, I haven't seen enough of it to make a fair uh, critique one way or the other. Then I, know that, I've, oh, I know that I've only ever heard good things about it, though. I have, too. I have heard good things about it, but let's go ahead and just roll on to number 21. Yeah. Number 21, I know we've all seen. I know we all love, matter of fact, this is another one that we've reviewed, um, 1987, once again, we got a John Candy, Steve Martin movie, planes, trains, and automobiles. And the uh, archives, THD movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one here, I, for some reason, and I, I don't know if it's John Candy, or the two together, but this movie will always and forever, forever have a place in my heart. Yeah. I don't know why, but it will always, always be there. It's just such a fucking great movie. It worked so well together. Mm -hmm. They did. And for a movie that is ostensibly a comedy, it it, it has a pretty, it has a couple of, more than a couple actually, heavy scenes that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I mean, it's, Look, it's 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 definitely a funny movie, but you're right. It does have a lot of sort of life lessons and serious parts in the movie, but 
that was a John Hughes movie. John Hughes movies were funny with life lessons. And this movie followed suit. It was funny with some life lessons in it. That was always how... And his movies always ended very serious. It was the John Hughes formula. You know, it's like WWE. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, the John Hughes formula worked forever in a day. Like, literally, like... Yeah, John Hughes formula would still work today. Yeah. I think. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Bobby, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. You want to... you want to blow it no. for a minute? The, <laughs> the only other thing I could say is that I wish I wish there would have been more Steve Martin and John Candy movies. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I'm not saying had John Candy lived, maybe we would have got another one. Um, but I no. do. I, I wish we got more John Candy movies than we did, period. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because he... You know, to your point, I know, like, you know, we kind of joke about your, uh, Mark, uh, your, your, uh, John Candy fandom on the show here, but he's a guy that was pretty much well respected by everybody. Like, you don't hear too many bad things. I don't think you've ever heard a bad thing spoken about this man. I've never and everybody, heard, never heard a bad word about Candy. Yeah. And a lot of people just enjoyed working with him, genuinely enjoyed working with him. And I feel like if he had lived, he would have continued to make movies, mm-hmm. work with the same core group of people and been exposed to it. I feel like, He's one of those guys that had he lived, if anything, he would have been exposed to a new generation because he's one of those guys that he's famous. People, if you say the name John Candy, people know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I feel like as more time passes because he died like so young and so early into the 90s, a lot of people tend to forget, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah, it really is a shame. But yeah, I, I hope he can stay, you know, relevant even though he's gone because he's... He's such a great actor. And I mean, I know I'm, you know, I'm older and these movies, you know, these 80s movies always sort of hold a, a, a special place with me. You know, childhood movies tend to do that with people. And um, this movie always will. And, you know, John Candy was kind of one of the guys I grew up watching. You know what I mean? And just always thought he just looked like a just so unthreatening and so. Just looked like a really nice guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like the kind of guy yeah, he, you meet on the street and he would, you know, shake your hand and make a joke about you. And that's about it. He gave you just good vibes. Like, mm-hmm. never met the man, so I can't say one way or the other. But you, sometimes you can just look at a person and get good vibes from him and say, yeah, I can deal with this dude. I can fuck with this dude. And he yeah. just had those type of vibes about him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a Lex Luger or anything. So, you know. <laughs> Alright, so. <laughs> cheap shot, cheap shot. Alright, we'll, uh, go ahead and roll on to number 20. Number 20, um, I believe the sequel to this movie was number 100, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jim Carrey, Courtney Cox, Dan Marino, 1994, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Okay. This is a lot of, this is a lot of, I, I, this is a fair slot for it. I think yeah. so, and I'm like I said, I'm pretty sure number one hundred might have been Ace Ventura two, the um, the other one. I think that's what it was, and I think we complained about it. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I mean, it wasn't bad necessarily, but I don't think that should have been listed. But Ace, as terms of uh, Jim Carrey at his best, the original Ace Ventura, you don't get much better. No, no, you don't get much better than this fucking movie. Such. Yeah, and this, this, this is a Courtney. I, I gotta say this real quick. 
This is important concept that Pete the for hotness. I don't care what anybody says. I agree. This movie and 3,000 Miles to Graceland were her two hottest movies. Yes. And she was sweaty and half naked in 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Just saying. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, this movie here. And you know, Jim Carrey has even admitted his character in this movie was based. He was trying to be a bird. From the hair, the clothes, the way he walked. He was a bird. Yeah. That's what that's what he was trying to be, was a bird. Well, I can see that now since you say it. Yep. Yep. And I I never thought of it either. And then I'm like, holy shit. That's exactly what he was fucking mimicking. You know, watch him walk. Watch him watch his hair. Obviously, I'm going to look at his hair. Watch him walk. Watch him act. Watch him talk. He is a fucking bird in this movie. In both movies. And another one, that uh, another movie that spawned an animated series. Animated series. Sure did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. I guess we've uh, covered Ace Ventura. Let's go on to number 19, guys. This is going to be another absolutely amazing comedy. Another one that we have reviewed on the show. Eddie Murphy, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd, 1983's Trading Places. Mm. Yes. Yeah, partial to this because a lot of scenes were filmed in my hometown, Philly. And uh, uh, I'm partial to this for Jamie Lee Curtis's tits. That too. Um, but I, 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 I didn't want to be obvious. I'll say it. I'll fucking just say it. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's tits. Two Dude, times in this movie. all of us. Two times. Yeah. Two times. So, yeah. I mean, if that's not worth making this movie a classic, nothing is. Yes. But, yeah. The, 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 again, this is a movie we uh, we did right before the close, out, the, the close of the year in 2017. Um, excellent movie. I mean, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy had such great chemistry in this movie. Uh, and again, a young, you know, Eddie Murphy, we've already said, you know, we already talked about him tonight, how he was so young and how he just blew up so fast. But uh, him and Dan Aykroyd had great chemistry, though, in this movie, yeah. uh, you know, like we've said before. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you guys are looking at it. I think it was a missed opportunity that those guys didn't work together more. I think so, too. I think so too, and I mean they're both. You know, we 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 could still get it. They're both still around. Dan Aykroyd is still funny. He's a fatter, but he's funny. <laughs> yeah. Come on, he's we're still all still working. We're all a little fatter. We're all getting older. Come on. Yeah. So yeah, and obviously, Trading Places, another one again. Check out the archives again. Right. Uh, yeah, I believe it was uh, December, two thousand seventeen. We did that one. So uh, all right, off to number eighteen. We are looking at Jennifer Aniston, Mike Judge, Office Space. Okay. Yep. Written and directed by Mike Judge. This is a really, I mean, based off of the TV show, right? Or was the TV show based off of the, no, no. There was no TV show. Um, I thought this one. There was, there were, no, there were, uh, there were animated shorts. Ah, Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I knew there was something this was based off of, but yeah, this is a crazy fucking movie. I definitely see where this is on the list, and I definitely see where it's so high on the list because this was a another movie people were you know doing quotes from, and 
all kinds of shit. This was definitely a heavily watched movie. And yeah. you know, the, the greatness of it to me lies in one simple thing: the relatability. I mean, obviously, it was played for uh, they played it to the extreme, played it to the hill for you know Hollywood purposes. But I think every person that gets up every day and works a regular nine to five job can relate to this movie on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, dude. Especially the the character played by uh, what's that guy's name? Scott. The weird character. What's his? Hold on a second. I'm gonna have to fucking. I'm gonna have to look this up on the old IMDb. It's uh, he's in Dodgeball too. Oh. Um. Give me a second oh, here. Oh, why are you looking that up? Uh-huh. Uh I think the guy's name is Gary Colton. Any either one of you guys ever worked for a boss like that? Not that bad. No. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> All right. Let me ask you this one. Either one of you ever had that situation where it's like Friday and you're just looking at the clock, you got five minutes, and you know like if you bump into your boss, he's going to ask you to work the weekends. So you try to <laughs> everything in your power to avoid him, but then first person you see right out the door, yeah, I'm going to need you to work Saturday. Uh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> I was talking about Stephen Root played Milton. That's who I was talking okay. about in this movie. He's been uh, in okay. off, Office Space, Dodgeball. Uh, King of the Hill, he's one of the voices. Get Out, he's been in. This guy has been in so many fucking movies and TV shows. Dilbert, yeah. come to life. I mean, this guy goes all the way back. <laughs> I remember him being in an early episode of Night Court. Jesus Christ. when? when mm. I mean, that was in the 80s back when I remember him. But uh, actually, I believe he came back for another episode of Night Court. He played a different character. He was also, he was the boss in news radio. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> he sure was. He was the boss. I mean, he was in Crocodile Dundee. Matter of fact, Crocodile Dundee 2 was his first movie. Wow. Talented guy, man. The, the range of characters that he played is so funny. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, because like, I, I hadn't even realized, like, everything that you just named there, I saw and I've seen him in those things and mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't even make the connection. <laughs> yep. And you know what? I was right. He did do two, two different characters in, uh, Night Court. Uh, Night Court. Uh, Night Court. <laughs> That's another show I'm pretty good with. Um, seen that a bunch of times. I love that fucking show. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and by the way, those of you who do want to watch NYPD Blue, since I always mention that, Friday was the greatest Friday. It wasn't just Good Friday. It was Great Friday. NYPD Blue, all 12 seasons on Hulu. Get fucking watching. Just want you to know that. Yes. Yes. So, Office Space, number 18. What else, guys? I mean, we just kind of uh, put over Stephen Root a little bit. (laughs) But uh, Uh, Jennifer Aniston, again. The whole cast. Yeah. Yeah, and Jennifer Aniston, again, like, writing, you know, just like you said about Courtney Cox, this was one of the height, you know, the heights of her fucking hotness, too. Yeah. She's still hot. She's still fucking Yeah. I better be careful what I say about Jennifer Aniston, because this this will turn into a completely different show. (laughs) Must be one of your Um, favorites. I'm rather <laughs> fond of Jennifer Aniston. I don't blame you, man. Especially in uh, what is it? The We're the Millers. She's doing the strip tease and shit in that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Oh, I mean, when she's fucking got the fire coming down, the sparks. Oh, great movie. Uh, all right, let's jump to number 17. Another one we have reviewed on this show. Uh, 1987, Spaceballs, Mel Brooks movie. <sighs> I'm yes. going to tell I, I I know 17 is a good spot, but I'm going to tell you I think this belongs higher. <laughs> I really think Spaceballs is higher. Spaceballs, to me, is one of the greatest comedies of all time. Yeah, of all time. I, I have to agree yeah. with that. John yeah. Candy, Rick Moranis is in this movie. Joan Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Joan Rivers. Dick Van yeah. Patten. Yeah. I mean, this really is one of the greatest comedies of all time to me. Yeah, and, and, and I, and I want to say it like, uh, you know, Joan Rivers, rest in peace, like very – I mean, say what you want about her looks facially as she got older. But I, in her, you know, I always thought she was like in her younger days, especially good-looking woman. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, she if she, had she allowed herself to age gracefully, it wouldn't have been as you know the plastic surgery. I hate when people do plastic surgery. I think it's just like age the way God intended you to. But that's another rant for another day. But to me, genuinely, one of the funniest human beings I ever saw in my life. Absolutely. Always and on. You know what? Always for her, on. She was always on, but mm-hmm. for her, I, I don't, I really don't think that this was intentional. But the plastic surgery went on to become a bit of hers. You know, it, it, it became a big part of her act. So yeah, she, I mean, yeah. she did sort of embrace it, but yeah. I mean, when you think about it, she died during an elective surgery, so yeah. it also killed her in the long run. Um, but I'll say this with or without plastic surgery, she still looked a thousand times better than the daughter. All due respect, <laughs> her daughter, her daughter, God, my God, yeah, she's a fugly looking thing, isn't she? <laughs> put, put, it to, put it to you like this not enough alcohol in the world. Bob, Bob could be drunk off his ass, no thank you. Oh, there's always enough alcohol, sir. Let me, let me, let me, let me just throw or, that out there. There's always enough alcohol. Or to uh, steal it, or, 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 or to steal a phrase from Shaheen. If I had to rely on that, I'd rather, rather, if I had to go home with that, I'd rather rely on my hand. Yeah, I have, uh, <laughs> I have woken up with a three or with, 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 with one, one or two threes in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but let me All guess, right. Bob. Let me guess, Box. Anybody can bang a 10, but it takes a real man <laughs> to do a negative five. I've said before I was a pretty good wingman if I had to be. Uh, I would I, I would take one for the team is all I'm saying. Uh, let's move on to number 16. Uh, <laughs> uh, number 16, uh, we got a 1988 comedy film here. Of course, we have The Naked Gun, O.J. Simpson, uh, Reggie Jackson, uh, Leslie Nielsen, Priscilla Presley. Talk about a good, a good looking woman. Elvis had it right grabbing her that young, didn't he? <laughs> uh huh. Oh, he basically was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take your daughter, fuck her for a while, marry her, and then uh, is that okay, parents? Yeah, okay. I know she's young. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know." Different time, <laughs> but 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 I'm Elvis. I'm I'm, I'm Elvis. <laughs> That's really all he had to say. But I'm Elvis. I'm gonna take your daughter. <laughs> yeah, some 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 guys. God bless them. Got it like that. Elvis had it like that. Prince damn sure had it like that. Mm-hmm. Certain people just got it like that. Just walk up in a room. Hey, 
Bitch, I'm Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elvis fucking Presley, man. So, all right. I mean, Naked Gun movies, I like them all. I really yes. got to say. They're, they're, they're ridiculous. They're stupid. But they're entertaining. Yeah. Yes. And, and I'll always... Wanna... Yeah, I'll always have based a on a short-lived uh, TV series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Police Squad. Police Squad, right? Yeah, and I'll and I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for uh, Leslie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Spy Hard was a great movie, and he seemed to like working with Weird Al Yankovic for some reason. <laughs> yeah. He popped up in all in, in in a lot of the Leslie Nielsen movies, but. I like the Naked Gun series, all of them. I like I said, I know they're ridiculous. I know they're stupid. I'm not going to sit here and be like, "These are great comedies. They're well made." No, they're not. They're stupid. They're hokey. But like yeah. I said, they're entertaining movies. And I some sometimes that's all it takes with a comedy is just to be an entertaining, funny movie. And honestly, I feel like they benefited from Leslie Nielsen because obviously, those that don't know, he started off. He was basically a career dramatic actor, mm-hmm. yes. and his first comedies were like the Airplane movies, National. Not national. Um, the, the Abrams, movie. yeah, right. the Abrams yeah. films. And I feel like those movies kind of benefited from him having that dramatic background because basically he was like the ultimate straight man that was surrounded by insanity. And no matter how outrageous things got, he never broke character. Yeah, that dry comedy, that 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 dry comedian, that dry comedy of his really, really, really did play well in a lot of the comedies he was in. That's that's what made it work. Yeah, like you said, that straight. That straight-faced, you know, hilarious and still straight-faced comedy always yeah. made it better with him. Yeah, because like you said, they, they weren't great comedies, but I feel like if had it been like, had he played it like a Jim Carrey type or an Adam Sandler type where he like embraced it and acknowledged the insanity, I don't think it would have been as funny. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Him, him playing the way he did all did make everything better. He played the, you know, the, the serious... Tough buffoon, if that makes sense. Tough buffoon, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was stupid, but you know, he was kind of tough, and I yeah. just, I, I always like that, that about these movies. Like I said, I, I, I know they're stupid, but who cares? Um, all right, let's roll on to number fifteen, guys. This is going to be all one right. that everyone is probably going to say it might should be a little bit higher. Nineteen eighty-six, a Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Another one you can check back in the archives for. Wow, early on too, man. Um, yeah, number fifteen. Not a bad spot on the list, but yeah, I think I would say that's where it needs to be. You think so? I I would say so. I mean, it's definitely a classic. Definitely a classic, man. I mean, it's still people are still to this day. Quoting that movie and and reenacting uh, scenes from that movie, you that's, know that that's why I think it might belong in the top ten. I think it belongs top ten. I really think fifteen's a little bit low for it. I think it should be up in the top ten somewhere. Yeah, and you know, you talk about movies that are still to this day influential. I mean, let's be honest. Charlie Sheen took a bit part and became a superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously can't really say this movie is what made him a superstar, but it put him on the map in terms of like putting his name out there. Mm-hmm. Because he like for for as little as for as small as his role was in this movie, it's memorable. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you say Charlie Sheen and Ferris Bueller, people remember that scene. 
Yeah, and I mean, when, when you know, when you're in the middle of a scene and a character looks up and looks at the camera with those kind of, you know, what the fuck eyes, I always think of Ferris Bueller. There's a few things in that movie that were sort of, you know, you always relate them back to, oh, that's just like Ferris Bueller, just like Ferris Bueller, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I believe this movie belongs top ten. Ferris yeah. Bueller should be top ten. And another movie that... Even though it was, uh, you know, uh, a comedy, another movie that had a lot of life lessons. Because the whole purpose, of, if if you really look at it, the whole lesson that was uh, gained from that movie was sometimes you got to take a step back and just enjoy life. Take a day off and just, you know, you know, put the bullshit to the side and just enjoy life. Take a day to yourself and just, you know, say what shit is not that serious. I'm alive. I'm healthy. Let me enjoy the day. Yeah, I mean, if you want to quote risky business, sometimes you just got to say what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't seen that movie on this list yet. That movie should be up there and somewhere on here, but I I don't know if it is. Yeah. But before we move on, before we move on from Ferris Bueller, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember if it was mentioned during the Ferris Bueller episode, but that movie actually got two thumbs down by Siskel and Ebert. I think we. It's possible. I, you know what? I can't remember if we mentioned that or not, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I've always said critics, look, it, it it's an opinion. Go yeah, see a movie yeah. and make your own fucking decision. Don't go, oh, well, exactly. it got two thumbs down. I'm not going to go see it. Someone could have pissed in the, that motherfucker's cornflakes that morning, goddammit. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It's Critic reviews don't hold any weight to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, the original Scooby-Doo now, look. I love the Scooby Doo cartoon growing Wait up. Wait a minute. Those movies Wait a minute. You're going to go from Ferris Bueller to the original Scooby Doo. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, the cartoons I love. I'm talking about the movies. The movie. I know. Freddie Prince. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go but, ahead. Make, you know what? Make not, your point. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I'm not saying it was a good movie, so <laughs> peace out with it. I'm just saying it's one of those movies that was universally shit on by every critic known to man, right? But it made a shit ton of money. Right. That was my point. That's all. Do we? We could probably go through another list of movies that critic. Actually, we did a list of movies critics thought were bad that turned out great. Yeah. You know, just that. Actually, our last list was that. But yeah, dude, the critics don't know shit. Like I said, it's someone's opinion. If you think a movie looks good, go watch it. Yeah. Fuck a critic. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that shit. But anyway, let's uh let, let's go ahead and move on. Number fourteen. Uh, we're sticking with the 80s. 1980, The Blues Brothers, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi. I don't know if I can say enough good about this movie. I, I This is another movie I'll always love. Yeah. Blues Brothers 2000, go fuck yourself. Not so much. Right. Not so much. That was really... Talk about unnecessary. I mean that yeah, that never sort of been, that never that sort money of could have gone to some other movie, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys both, and I'm not even trying to make a joke here. You guys lived through uh, John Belushi in real time, so you can kind of speak to how big he was in that era. But looking back on his career, I'm a immense fan. I wish I actually could have got the chance to really experience him in real time to really kind of get how big of a deal he really was. Because it's another. Like I said it before on uh, older episodes, but it's like. It's one thing to 
look back on clips and say, oh, yeah, he's funny or that was entertaining or to read on books and read other people's opinions. But in, in order to grasp how big somebody was, you really had to experience them in real time. Mm-hmm, so yeah. just on you guys personal opinion, just experiencing Belushi in uh, real time. How big of a deal was he? How special of a talent was he really? I got to be honest. I was only five years old. When this movie came out, I was five years old. Well, let me tell you how big he was, just at least in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, when Saturday Night Live came on, I remember being – I remember well, – I was very young, of course, when the original Not Ready for Primetime players were, were still on. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember Saturday Night Live coming on, and my dad not saying, I have to go watch Saturday Night Live. My dad said, I have to watch John Belushi. <laughs> yeah that's how just like just like in the just like in the uh the 80s when uh family matters was coming on and people didn't say i have to go watch family matters they said i have to watch urkel that right. was john belushi for my dad all right yeah and you're right people <laughs> did say that i gotta watch urkel you're right yeah yeah and yeah belushi i, I do remember sitting with my dad and watching you know belushi do the uh the only scenes I remember seeing with my dad is the the samurai scenes. <laughs> yeah. Those are great. I do remember sitting there watching those with my dad with a big, you know, you didn't have remotes back then. You had uh, clickers connected yeah. with cords. <laughs> they were connected to the cable box. Yes, they had a cord. I know everyone's like, what the fuck is a cord? Yeah, a cord connected to the cable box. And, um, you know, he would click that button and go right to the channel. But, uh, yeah, yeah. no one will ever know what those are like, man. Almost. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, Fox, yeah. um, you've actually brought this point up with, uh, Sam Kennison a few times where, you know, it's a sad point to say, but you felt like he, um, operated better when he was under the influence of something. Yeah. Would you, would you apply that, apply that same logic to Belushi and mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, not so ready for time on praise? Because it's no secret that if you re- you do your research on the show, a lot of those scenes that are iconic and classic were done when they were under the influence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it, drugs played a big part back in the 70s and 80s in, in comedy and yeah. being funny. But... Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it, and, and it really is, you know, very sad to say. But, yeah, Kinnison was funnier when he was fucked up. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Dice was funnier when he smoked cigarettes. I don't yeah. know why. It's just certain people. I don't know if it's if, if, if they're comfortable. But, I mean, I have some of those. It, it, those Kinnison videos, I don't know if you ever stayed up late at night and saw those Sam Kinnison videos on TV for sale. But those were all when he was sober. I have a couple of them. And they aren't very good, let me guess. They're not very good. He's very... It's almost like he's, like, not himself. He's almost inhibited. It's like anything else. You know, like, when they say, like, when you drink, like, people, like, that are, like, socially awkward at parties, they might start to drink a few to get looser, you know, more relaxed, more uninhibited. I mean, I sound like an idiot saying this, but it kind of blew my mind when I found out that uh, Robin Williams had a cocaine problem back in the day but when you look <laughs> back at a lot of his early stuff it kind of makes sense. He was fueled by cocaine. Man, that's <laughs> Mork wouldn't <laughs> exist if it wasn't for cocaine. Yeah, I mean, Mork yeah. and Mindy was basically a, a Robin Williams cocaine dream. He doesn't even remember like remember doing the show. 
I mean, you have to understand <laughs> something. Like, I found this out right around the time I was watching stuff like Jack and uh, Mrs. Dalfire. Uh-huh. And I had watched those shows. I had watched, like, Mork and Mindy. And I'm just thinking, oh, it's just a funny guy. But then when you research and you read up on him, like, oh, shit, he had a drug problem back in the day. Oh, oh. Yeah. And then when you get as you get older and you look back and, like, oh, that's why he was kind of, like, all over the place. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, dude. He, I mean, yeah. It was pretty easy to spot. Yeah. Uh, and. And interestingly, I know that we brought this up on the show before, but Robin Williams was actually the last one of the two last people to see John Belushi alive. Right. Yeah, that's always a another sad part of it. But I, th- I think that was one of the things that kind of inspired him to clean up his act. He, you know, he uh, he was already clean at the time when uh, Belushi actually called him over because because Robin Williams had a lot of stuff going on. Um, his career was picking up and he kind of he knew that he had to clean up. He had to change his ways, sort of. Right. Um, and, you know, because because they were like they hit the circuit together. Belushi and uh, and Robin Williams, they hit the circuit together. They spent a lot of times getting high together. Right. So Belushi called him over one time. He was all fucked up, had a girl with him. And he, you know, he was trying to get Robin to, to do, you know, to, really to get high with him. And he said, nah, man, you have to clean yourself up, you know? And he, he, he was just like, Belushi was just in a really fucking bad place. And then Robin Williams basically said, look, man, I, I got to get out of here, man. Just call me when you're clean. And that was it. <laughs> that was the last fucking time. That was he died that fucking day. Oh, yeah. yeah it it kind of makes you think maybe that's one of the things Robin never forgave himself for. I don't know, man. It's, I mean, I, obviously, I wouldn't even you know try to sit here and say I knew what was going on in the man's head, but you know that that could really weigh hard on somebody, you know. Yeah, and it's it, it's like I think that's almost like unfair because you know it's a lot of things that you know. What if I had said this? What if I had did that? You know, this yeah. isn't the this isn't the uh, wrestling show, but uh, I'm not really a big time fan of the guy. But uh, Hardcore Holly, mm-hmm. he basically said he's one of the last people that talked to Benoit, and I think he said along something along the lines of a day or two before the tragedy went down, he had got a call, like a message from like, hey, call me. You know, I'm having problems with the wife. <laughs> Clearly, uh. Uh, and and he was like, you know, I just need somebody to talk to. And he basically said one of those, you know, I'm on the road. I'll call you in a couple of days. And literally, like, they had set up plans, like, that weekend to kind of, like, meet up. And he always kind of, like, kicked himself, like, if I had called him back soon or maybe met up with him soon or I could have been. So he basically said he kind of lives with that, like, that every day. Like, what if? And I feel like that's kind of, like, unfair to put that kind of pressure on yourself. Yeah, it is hard to do that. And, you know, you really shouldn't do that because, unfortunately, you don't know. But that's got to be hard to live with. But you know what? I don't want to sit here and drag the show down with a bunch of uh, sad talk because we are doing comedies. Yes. And you mentioned this, and I told you it might be higher on the list. So I will make you happy. 1983, the original Vacation. Chevy Chase, Christy Brinkley, John Candy. Beverly D'Angelo, Randy Quaid, blah 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 blah. Now allow me to let me let me break the ice here. Mm-hmm. Beverly D'Angelo's tits in this movie were 
were fantastic. Absolutely. Yes, man. It's funny because I was really just thinking, I think it might have been yesterday or the day before, for no reason whatsoever. I'm just hanging my clothes up in the closet. And I'm like, damn, Beverly, De- Beverly D'Angelo really has some amazing jets. She really did in this movie. They were very fucking nice. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. man. This And, you know, this was back when, you know, we've talked about it. We talked about it last week. This was back when every great comedy had a nice pair of tits in them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just happened to show up. Look, oh, look, tits. Yeah. Out of yeah. nowhere. Tits. Props, props to Al Pacino for, for pulling that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, hey, you know what they say? The great ones always pull through. <laughs> she got a great ass. <laughs> oh, all right. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. It's- Everything about like the eighties and nineties, and you know the women, the the the, the, uh, the gamesmanship. It's just a different different level, man. I, that the kids of the day won't understand. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, all right, let's go to number twelve. We're creeping up on the top ten here, and I'm interested to see the top ten. I haven't really looked at it yeah. yet. All right, number twelve. This movie probably belongs right where it is but god damn what a great fucking movie 1994 jim carrey jeff daniels terry gar dumb and dumber and of course lauren holly okay i'm i'm a huge lauren holly fan she is gorgeous that and we may anthony have talked about she's one of those girls that can like change her hair color and just look completely different oh yeah absolutely yeah, it's just amazing. But yeah, this Dumb and Dumber, another one we've reviewed. So check that one out in the archives. Uh, excellent movie. Another one. The, yeah. the the Fairley Brothers have a lot of fucking movies on this list, man. A yeah, lot I mean, of not, movies. Yeah, not much to add to this from my perspective. From my perspective, but uh, Dumb and Dumber, probably my favorite Jim Carrey movie of the nineties. All right. Yeah, I could see that, man. Jim Carrey again. We, I mean, we just said it a little while ago. Talk about being on fire in the '90s, man. On fucking fire. So, yeah, uh, Bobby, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, anything. Another movie with a another movie with a script full loaded full of quotables. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, highly influential in other movies, and right where it needs to be on that list. Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's get to number 11, and then we're right in the top 10. Number 11, uh, we go to the original Hangover, 2009, the first Hangover movie. Okay. Probably right where it needs to be. Definitely a funny movie. Uh, A little weird, but funny. Mm -hmm. Very weird, but yeah. (laughs) Very weird. Hilarious. Very funny. (laughs) Any movie where Mike Tyson has a cameo is definitely worth watching. (laughs) <laughs> hey, 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 look, hey, say what you will, though, but I think this movie, this seems ridiculous to say this, but I feel like this movie went a long ways into rehabbing Mike Tyson's public image that had basically taken a hit for, like, yeah. the previous 20 years. You know what? I 100% agree, because it wasn't long after this, he got the, what was it, the roast? Yeah. On him, and then he did the the one-man show, uh, Undisputed. Yeah, which really... Yeah, and yeah. I, I've said this before. If you have not watched that, find it. I believe it's on Netflix. But holy shit, Mike Tyson, undisputed, he 
and and you can tell how sincere he is. He lays everything out on the line. He doesn't yeah. hide. He doesn't duck. He doesn't dodge. He just every little thing that you may hate Mike Tyson for, he addresses it in this movie. That had to be made, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also, and I know that I have mentioned this on the show before. Anybody who has not seen Mike Tyson Mysteries, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a very stupid cartoon. Like it is dumb as fuck, but it's hilarious, you know. All I gotta say is Norm Macdonald. Come on, oh, <laughs> you know? you're right. That's 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 all you have to say. Yeah, and you know. I got to tell you, speaking of Norm MacDonald, one movie I haven't seen on this list, I'm a little surprised, even really low on this list, was Dirty Work. Wow. We haven't, I, I don't remember talking about that last week. I think uh, that's a great movie, though. I love that movie. Maybe, maybe it's up here. I doubt it. I really doubt it. Yeah, and it's uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah, you got to check that one out. Um, all right, we are hitting the top ten. All right. Uh, the top 10. Love it. But number 10 is a movie I actually just mentioned uh, a little while ago. 1979 British comedy film, Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Okay. Another crazy Monty Python film. Happy to see Monty Python in the top 10. I am really happy to see Monty Python in the fucking top 10. I honestly am. Um, I'm hoping Holy Grail is up here, too, because all three of those movies belong on this list somewhere. Uh, But uh, all right. Anything on Life of Brian, guys? I know. I I don't know if uh, Anthony's even seen it. I have not. Okay. All right. Bobby, you got anything on Life of Brian? Um, I really don't. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with its placement. Absolutely. Good, good, good. All right. Number nine, a movie I have not seen, heard so many good things about, but I've got to watch it. 1998, The Big Lebowski. Hmm. I know. I need to watch this. You should. I think, I think you would like that one. I do I too. Really do. Everything yeah, I've heard would. about it sounds great. I just, it's one of those movies I just like, oh, I need to watch that. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I, definitely it's right up your alley, Box. You, you it absolutely, yeah, man. Get, get just have have your beer ready, you know. Um, Always prepare to prepare prepare to not move from from the spot that you're sitting in, and have your beer right by you. All right. I mean, I love really John Goodman. I uh, yeah. Jeff Dan Jeff Bridges is to me a, a really really good actor, and I like him a lot. Um, you know, every part he plays just seems to fit him very well, but you know, I definitely need to watch this movie. I've heard nothing but good about it. So definitely need to check this fucking movie out. So I will, but, uh, you guys are welcome to fucking, you know, brag about it a little bit. Yeah, man. I mean, it's not like, uh, for it to be on the, the. Uh, greatest comedies list like it's not like a knee slapper it's not something that's gonna have you falling out of your chair laughing but yeah i've heard it's sort of a serious comedy yeah 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 crime comedy uh actually right here it calls it a uh stoner crime comedy Mm -hmm. that's right up my alley dude stoner crime and comedy (laughs) you put those three together i'm hooked 
mean, it's not one of those movies that was designed to change the world, but it's like it's some. I put it in the same category of a of a half baked. Okay. You, only, you won't regret the time you invested in it. Eh, another movie I haven't seen on this fucking list, but anyway. Um. All right. Let's go ahead to number eight. Number eight. Another Mel Brooks movie, Young Frankenstein, and of course, you know Gene Wilder's in this movie. I'm a huge fan of Gene Wilder. So, oh, young yeah, Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. I'm a little shocked it's this high on the list. It wasn't yeah. one of his. Really, wasn't yeah. one of his more famous movies. You know, it was definitely a good one, though. It was, but I, it was older. No, 1974 movie. But uh and you know Gene uh, Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder. anything it was yeah. great. So uh, Peter Boyle, mm-hmm. I would have I would have swapped on the list. I would have swapped that one with Spaceballs. Okay, I I agree with that. I will agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, and Spaceballs was down in number seventeen. Absolutely, drop that yeah. to seventeen. Bring Spaceballs up to number eight. I abs- definitely. I can agree with that. I'm with you there. Um, all right. So when we want to number seven. All right, sir. Another movie me and Anthony have reviewed. Man, I think we've done too many comedies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number seven, National Lampoon's Animal House from 1978. Fuck uh, yes. John Belushi once again at his greatest. Um, Kevin Bacon, uh, Donald Sutherland, uh, so many actors in this movie. What a great, great, great fucking movie. We've, yeah. I mean, we, we, we couldn't say enough great things about it in the episode we did. I'm still pissed off at Skype for fucking me out of being on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. But uh, <laughs> if you remember anything you were gonna say, go for it right now. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I think I think it's already been said. The movie was the movie was originally written. Every part in that movie was written for the cast of Saturday Night Live, the right. original not ready for prime time players. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and this movie, I mean, come on. I mean, every movie has tried to duplicate being the next Animal House, uh, you know, the new Animal House, and nothing can compare to the original. Nothing yeah. ever will. Not, it never will. Nothing can, nothing can ever top the original for this, and especially when you consider there was no blueprint for Animal House. This, no. this was literally created from nothing, so when you have a concept like that, it, it's hard to top it because it literally was, they literally had a fresh canvas. They had no idea when they made that movie that this was going to be one of those movies that would inspire copycat after copycat after copycat. Right, and I mean, like which, we which said, an honor. Yeah, and like we said, this was a—I mean, this was a direct spinoff of a magazine, the yeah. National Lampoon magazine. This was their first try at a movie, and you know, holy shit, did it fucking pay off for them? But man, this movie and go go. It actually, uh, I found out. I found out actually during a little bit of research because I didn't realize this beforehand. Um, it spawned a, I don't know if it was just a pilot or a couple of episodes for a, a sitcom hmm. that didn't make it. I'm actually personally, I'm kind of glad. Well, it was like a spinoff. I don't think it was the same characters, right. but it was based on the 
like the same continuity in the same timeline. I'm actually kind of glad that didn't happen because Animal House deserves to exist in its own universe. Yeah. Right. It's it should stand alone. Yeah. It should stand alone. It is it is by itself. I mean, it's it's the original National Lampoons. It's what National Lampoons was known for. Great comedies, you know, crazy stories, crazy comedies. Love this fucking movie. You know, like I said, this is in our archives. Excellent fucking movie. So, all right, let's move on to number six, guys. Number six, another one of my favorites. And again, we're right in the fucking 80s. Uh, Caddyshack, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's not enough good things. Like not, not enough adjectives to describe how great this movie was, man. Really. All-star cast. Mm-hmm. It's, the comedy was on point. Uh, the fact that Bill Murray wasn't in the sequel of the Sin, Sin Before God. Uh, the same matter of fact, the sequel shouldn't have, the sequel was, uh, unnecessary. Uh, the sequel. Unnecessary, really was, I'll, I'll agree, unnecessary. I'm actually a fan of the sequel. I'm not going to, never would I say I'm a bigger fan of the sequel, but I did like the sequel. You know, what was that guy? Jackie Mason. Jackie Mason. Played yeah, the, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield character, but they right. gave it more of a character. Um, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd came back for his character. Uh, it was a, even Chevy Chase was back in this movie and it was a little more about him. But it wasn't... As much as it wasn't necessary, I did enjoy the movie. I agree with that. I enjoyed it, but it it, it really didn't need to be made. Yeah, like if it never got made, I wouldn't have been like, they really need to make another Caddyshack. Right. But or, or at the very least, like if you're going to do a sequel... You need to get as many of the original players they involved did. as possible. They did. Mm. They got as many as they could back for that movie. Trust me, they did. That's why they a lot had. Of times, uh, yeah, yeah. It's still, you know, still a decent movie. But they got everybody they could back for that fucking movie. A lot of times, though, even when they do get the uh, the whole cast. For a sequel, basically as a cash grab, it comes off as a cash grab, you know, and it kind of it kind of muddies its uh, its legacy. Like as as hilarious as I, I feel the um, Hangover movies were, they're, they're all basically the same movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Same concept, same thing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Caddyshack, you know, you're right. Caddyshack 2 was basically the same movie with just different characters. A little more ridiculous of a story. But uh, Bill Murray is a name you're going to hear us say for uh, a couple more movies coming up here. So, (laughs) yeah. And we're, yeah, we're we're coming up to the top five after Caddyshack. So, uh, number five. Let's go ahead and roll into it. Um, we get another Mel Brooks movie here, Blazing Saddles, 1974. Right. Absolutely. Right. Number five, yeah. 
I don't think I could place this any better right now. I mean, yeah. I could place it number one, to be honest. But <laughs> right. um, Blazing Saddles, 1994, Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder. This movie was iconic and still is. This movie holds up today. Yeah. I don't care about the language in the movie. The jokes are racist. I know they wouldn't go with today's PC culture, but Blazing Saddles. I think it would be a good, the racist humor in that movie. It was all it was all tongue in cheek, and, and right, and a lot of it was was a lot of it was to kind of make a statement and to poke fun at the racism. It wasn't exactly. like you know. So I think it would fly. And it might honestly. It might. No, my opinion. I'm real big on tone. Mm-hmm. I'm real to me the the way you say something plays a part in how it comes across. Mm-hmm. And if you look anybody that watches this movie, even the biggest social justice warrior would have to you know chuckle and get a laugh out of it because it's done so tongue in cheek. Where it's obviously meant as a joke and meant to show you how absurd racism is. That I, I can't exactly. see any I can't see anybody looking at this movie if they're objective and go into it with a uh, uh, you know, a, a fair thought, you know, fair, you know, being of like, a, you know, look at it, judging it fairly. I think they would get the joke of it. Right. right. I, I would, yeah. I would like to think that, that everybody would get it, but you know, I mean, of course we're in an age where everybody has a voice right mm-hmm. now because everybody has the internet. So there would be some people complain, Oh, this was awful. They, they said this and it was terrible. Yes. Yeah, stupid. It was a fucking joke made to shine a light on how stupid this shit is. Dude, so they used a hard R. I heard a hard R. <laughs> that was a hard R. You didn't hear the hard R? You can't say that in 2018. It's a hard R. Sorry, guys. And I'm not even trying to justify, like, you know, oh, you know, racism back then was, like, accepted. But I, it's not even that it was accepted. It was just that people back then spoke with a with no filter. There was a time where you could see, you could hear racist terms on over-the-air television. No, there's... On the family, Jefferson's. No, there's Sanford, two things right. people were back then. And I'm going to... And, and I'll, I'll just narrow it down to one word. Tolerant. You know what, though? See, here's, here's, here's how I feel about it. I think... Um, I actually, I actually feel a little differently, a little different than you guys do on this. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like people back then... There were people who were just as sensitive about those things back then as there are now, but the only difference is there was no internet back then. For right. people to complain back then, they had to pull out a big heavy fucking typewriter and load that bitch up, and if they fucked up, they had to either throw the paper away and start over, or they had to get some white out, um... You know, eventually they did make the typewriters that had a delete button. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they it was a, it was just an awful lot of fucking work. Now people are sitting in their recliner or laying in their bed watching TV. Oh shit! Well, that was mildly offensive. Let me pull out my phone and tweet out how fucking pissed off I am about this. Yeah. Like, there's no work in it now. Or Back then, yeah. it was like, oh, well, that was a fucked up thing they said, but I guess I'll let it go because it's too fucking much work to bitch about it. Yeah, now you can drive down the road, you know, do a rant on your phone yeah, and, you know, live on Facebook and post it. But, yeah, dude, I mean, you know, you would hope a movie like this could fly nowadays. It would yeah. still get a lot of flack. You know what? 
I would say probably 99% of the movies on this list would get flack nowadays. Um, probably the, 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 the last four movies we're about to go over, it's, uh, probably I'd say maybe the last two movies we're going to hit on this list would get flack nowadays. Definitely would. Um, but you know, you would hope people were more tolerant now, but it's, you know, they're not. But uh, let's go ahead and jump to number four, guys. What do you say? Right. I mean, Blazing oh, Saddles, yeah. we're, we're definitely going to delve deep into it one night. So, um, Fuck yeah. Yeah, Excellent definitely. Movie. So let's uh, go to number four. I said we're going to hear Bill Murray's name. Bill Murray is actually the main actor in number four and three. Number four, we're going to go with uh, one of the greatest, greatest films I think ever made, Ghostbusters. Mm. 1984 what a year man what a year yeah, for fucking films right. man what a year for comedies i mean 1984 was a great year for comedies and uh ghostbusters the original man awesome yeah awesome mm-hmm. huge film huge marketing ploy for this movie yeah yeah still though personally i would i want to put blazing saddles above it but yeah man definitely definitely top five yeah, definitely. And yeah, I probably could have, there's a good argument for where, you know, four and five could have been, like you said, you know, Blazing Saddles up one, down one. But um, mm-hmm. I think as long as they're they're both in the top five, I'm okay with yeah. it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah, Ghostbusters, Anthony, you got anything or just, I mean, it's, come on, Ghostbusters. I mean, classic. I mean, I enjoyed it. Now, it was obviously five years later, but what did you, what did you guys think of the sequel? Obviously, it's not like necessarily top ten material, but what did you think of the sequel? Big fan of the Bobby Brown uh, lead song for it, though. Uh, I would say the sequel is not as bad as. I mean, I, I'm not going to go and be like, "All right, this one didn't need to be made." I'm not going to go Caddyshack on it. It probably did need to be made, and I enjoyed the sequel. To be honest with you. I did too. I mean, really yeah, I actually did. enjoyed the sequel a little more than the original. I don't know why. I mean, no, not more than the original. They they tried to stick with everything a little bit. Rick Moranis's character in the second one felt very forced. Like he was really trying to be more funny than the first one. I don't know. Rick mm. Moranis made that movie a little awkward for me. The second one. Mm. But I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you what I like about the second one, mm-hmm. um, because I, I love both of them. For me, of course, like I said before, the first movie in a series is always my favorite. But what I like, the way that I like, what I like about the way they handled the second one was, like Anthony said, it was a, uh, it was five years later. Um, the first movie made them stars, and in the story of the first, I mean, not that they weren't stars, but. The movie was a hit. It was a huge hit. Right. And like in the actual story of the first movie, they were trying to get known. They were trying to to build up their business and and you know trying to make themselves what they ultimately became. So they were outcasts. Yeah. And and then when the movie came out, it was, the movie was a smash. It was a smash hit. There were there was breakfast cereal. There was toys. There was everything. Mm-hmm. So by the time the second movie came around. There was anticipation for the movie, and the way that they played it in the movie was that the guys had made it. Like, they were damn near celebrities in the movie. Like, everybody loved the Ghostbusters in the movie. So I kind of liked that. It wasn't like they were still 
struggling, you know. And yeah. That's what I liked about how they handled that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and also it, it, they, they weren't struggling, but they were. I mean, you know, they were doing birthday parties to make money in the second. Well, yeah, line. they were <laughs> they were doing that, but they were still like they were still beloved. Yeah, and I, I I honestly like, and I'm 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 a little biased. I'm a fan of Ernie Hudson. I like that they gave Ernie Hudson a little more of a role in the second movie. Yeah, for sure. I really yeah. like him. I think he is a really a really underrated actor. I mean, you know, I know he's yeah. not in a lot of good movies, but the substitute, I love him in that movie. Yeah, underrated series. Absolutely. I've I've seen all of them. I have all of them. And to uh, Bobby's point, just to kind of like bottom line the uh, Ghostbusters talk, I think what I respected about the um, second one, look, every movie's made to make money. But the fact that that first one was such a hit and they didn't automatically jump to like, oh, 85, we got to make a sequel. The fact that they waited five years tells me that they wanted to wait until they felt like they had like a good script to work with. Not saying that the second one, the script was like off the wall awesome. But the fact that they waited tells me that they yeah. put some thought into yes, let care went into it. Let, let's uh let's ride this one out. The first one was a hit. Let's not jump into a sequel and water down the impact of the first one. Well, it was almost like they didn't want like I mean, they were trying to get rid of the merchandise from the first one before they put the <laughs> second one out. That's kinda how I feel they were doing because four years later, three, four years later, this shit was still selling. Yeah. Which I mean, in movies, yeah, which made them think like, oh, maybe we do have like uh, enough. Uh, it has enough legs for a seek to support a sequel. Yeah, exactly. So, and obviously it did. I mean, like I said, man, this this movie had you know, it's it's kind of funny. I always when I think of Ghostbusters, I think the, it has the same marketing ploy that Mel Mel Brooks joked about in Spaceballs. Oh yeah, yeah. Spaceballs <laughs> the sheet. Spaceballs the toilet paper. That was Ghostbusters, right. dude. And 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 and, I, and I'm just going to say this, and I don't care if I get labeled a sexist or whatever, a misogynist. Uh, that that bullshit. I haven't seen it, but it just looks like bullshit, you know, th- with the women. And and this isn't this is not a slight against the women, but I, I I'm one of those people that believe that you shouldn't make a remake with opposite with with the opposite gender just for the sake of making a statement. Yeah, and I mean, this is horrible to say, but when my wife came home and told me she liked the movie, I immediately was like, I am not watching that. I don't know. She's <laughs> like, it was so good. It was one of the best movies. I'm like, nope, not watching that shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just imagine, I mean, by the line, just imagine somebody saying, sitting around one day, what if Sex in the City had an all-male cast for gender? I, oh. did, did, I mean, I'm just saying, like, just... Think of how absurd that sounds, just for the sake of doing the male version of Sex in the City. Oh, you're no, right. I, I, I just feel like leave leave the originals alone. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's better or worse with women or men. I'm just saying that the original was based around four male leads, and that's what it was. Yeah. Don't the, don't make us a, a remake with women just for the sake of you know we are women, we can do anything that men can do. It's not about that. It's about yeah. just staying true to the original concept of the movie. Yeah, and that that. that... That's a good comparison. The you know what if you know, Sex in the City was about you no know, all male cat. That's a that's a really good comparison, dude. Really oh, good. My feelings on the uh, my feelings on it. I actually saw the movie and I didn't I didn't hate it. I really didn't. I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the criticism of it might have been a little unfair because a lot of the criticism came 
before the movie was even made. And I understand where a lot of the criticism came from. The, I, I also, I'm one of the types of people, like I'm a purist when it comes to sticking to the original. Like, I don't like when they change a character's gender. I don't like when they change a character's race. I don't like when they change. I don't like, I don't like that. I'm a purist when it comes to the original source. Mm-hmm. I actually, I would have accepted the, uh, the new, Ghostbusters movie a lot more if it wasn't a reboot or a reimagining. I felt I would have accepted it more if it was um, like a spinoff or a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have been I would have been more okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I understand. I mean, and and again, I haven't seen the new one, and I probably what was it 2016? It came out. Yeah, that sound right? Yeah. Anyone? I, yeah. I, I want to say it came out last year. All right. Was it was it last year? It was last year, year the year before. I don't, I don't know. The years are blurring well, to me lately. But, I don't know, man. Uh, Boxman, I think if you see it, I'm I'm pretty sure you'll hate it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Then I'm pretty I mean, sure I just won't waste my fucking time. How's that? Never mind. Watch just a shit on it. And I hate to say that because I feel like I should give it a chance just because I am a fan of Melissa Carthy. But mm-hmm. to Bobby's point, I just hate when they try to reimagine things. See, I'm Nothing. not. I'm not a fan of hers. My my wife, loved, my fiance at the time, wife now loved that show she was in with the uh, oh uh, Mike and Molly. The Mike and Molly, you'll love it. He's a cop. No, she's <laughs> annoying. I'm sorry, that woman is annoying. I'm sorry to 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 no end. I don't I don't think she's funny. I don't think she's funny. And I mean, I I, I it's horrible what happened to her that. She lost the weight, and they didn't think she fit the character, so they dropped the show because of it. That's disgusting, in my opinion, yeah. that, that that happened to her. But, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't, fuck, think, she, fuck, I don't yeah, think she's fuck, funny. Fuck your long-term health. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they're saying. You know, don't, oh, my yeah. God, you lost the weight. I mean, that's that that's ridiculous. Hollywood needs oh. to fucking chill the fuck out. Oh, look, we got a fat guy here. Hopefully he'll die soon, and we'll make more off him. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, Roseanne and Dan, like the last two years, they started losing weight. Next thing you know, eh, it's a wrap, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's man. all I'm saying. That's what happens. All right, let's roll through this. Let's let's let's. We got three left here. Let's get to the top right. three movies. Uh, I did say Bill Murray was in the uh, the next two, and I'm not lying. Bill Murray is in the number three movie, 1993, Groundhog Day. Okay. Would you believe I've actually not seen this movie 100% all the way through? This is actually really? fair placement for me. Like, top five, uh, you need to see it. I actually do want to get to this on the show one day. I want to see this movie. I've seen pieces of it here and there. Never sat and just been like, all right, Groundhog Day. Watch it. Oh, man. You'll love it. I think it's a great movie. I honestly wouldn't have put it so high, but it definitely belongs on the list. Yeah. Every, every clip, you know, every time I've sat and tried to watch it, I've loved every minute I've seen of it. So I do need to sit and watch the whole flick. Yeah. I just haven't. And, 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 as, and as silly as the concept, you know, is on paper, mm-hmm. I feel like we've all had those days where everything just feels like every day bleeds into the next, bleeds into the next. Where nothing changes. That yeah. movie is like that movie is like if if, uh, if Twilight Zone was a comedy, it would be that. It would be mm-hmm. the Groundhog Day movie. Yeah. This movie is the exact definition of insanity. Yeah. 
doing the same thing over and over again and expecting and, a different uh, outcome. And uh, I don't have my notes in front of me, you know, the research guy, right? Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I want to say this is the movie that actually drove the wedge between um, Harold Ramis and uh, Bill Murray because they didn't talk mm. for, for like t- like close to 20 years almost. I, I do think they did They did make up before he passed away, like a year or two before. So thank God they got a chance to do that. But they didn't talk for a long time after this movie. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to blame Chris Elliott for that because he was in this movie. <laughs> I'm going to blame Chris Elliott. I'll bet you Bill Murray was like, why do you have this fucking moron in your movie? You could have got Tom <laughs> Green. He's just as fucking stupid. Oh, wow. Sorry. Or he might have, he might maybe, maybe he pulled the power play. Like, I'm Bill Murray. You don't need nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Look, I'm going to take your 17 year old daughter. I'm going to, I'm just going to, all right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say this, you know, I think Bill Murray is an exception to the rule, you know. I'm glad to see he was actually up on the uh, list as high as he was, just in general. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's the exception to the rule where you don't really have to change too much of who you are. Because if you look at all of the movies movies he was in, he pretty much had that same sarcastic, low-key type of sense of humor. And he's played – I mean, obviously, he matured throughout the years in certain roles. But for the most part, he always played the same general character if you really pay attention. Ooh, yeah. For the most part, there was one movie. What the fuck was that movie? Oh, man, I can't think of what it was or who else was in it. I guarantee, Boxman, I guarantee you saw it and you loved it. He was a, uh, was he a cop? He was a detective who was close to retirement, I think. Oh, man. Oh, this is killing me. Bill Murray close to retirement. I don't remember him being a cop in a movie. He wasn't the star. He wasn't the main star of the movie. Okay. Fuck, dude. I'm going to have to find out later. I shouldn't have even brought it up now. This is going to bug me. I'll find out and I will definitely get back to you. Do you know like around when, like around the year it was? Late 90s. Late 90s. It must have been uh, been the late 90s or early 2000s. All right. I'm pulling up his uh, IMDB. So if you want to give me about 10 seconds, I will uh, pull that up and I'll drop down to the, oh, that's Billy Murray. That's the wrong Murray. Uh, I'm now. (laughs) <laughs> that's the wrong Murray. All right, Bill Murray. Here we go. Yeah, but he played a different type of role. It stood out to me. I'm like, man, look at Bill Murray with some range late in his <laughs> late in his career. Uh, in my opinion, I'll tell you the truth. The best Bill Murray role to me. What about Bob? Um, one of them, yes. I will. I will agree with that. What about Bob and Kingpin? To me, are the two best roles he's ever done in my opinion uh all right let's see here 90s movies we have quick change what about bob groundhog day mad dog and glory nope edward kingpin larger than life space jam the man who knew too little wild things he was in wild things jesus with friends like these and rushmore Maybe it was Wild Things. Maybe it was Wild Things. I might be thinking of Wild Things. Might be, because I don't see any movie where he plays detective anything or lieutenant. I might might be wrong on it, but I'm I'm just like, because of course this was a while ago when I saw the movie and it just stood out to me that he Mm -hmm. was playing a different type of character than than I was used to him, you know, seeing him in. Yeah, I, I, I always like seeing comedy characters step out of their comfort zone and 
you know, I mean, we we mentioned Robin Williams always as a, as a psycho is absolutely amazing, and uh, he's a, he was just brilliant. Yeah, and, and I and mean, he, you know, <laughs> you, you you take a guy like Jim Carrey and you go to fucking Cable Guy, and yeah, you know, great character. I would, I, and we've said it before. I would love to see Jim Carrey as a real fucking psycho in a movie. I hope it gets done eventually. Yeah. So, all right, guys, top two, mm-hmm. yes. top two. I'm excited. Number one, I'm really excited about, to be honest with you. But number two, 1980. Once again, we're going with a fucking 1980s movie for number two. Leslie Nielsen, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, man. Airplane. Yes. Airplane. Fuck yes. I will. I would definitely say this belongs right where it is. No argument here. Love oh, yes. I, I Airplane One and Two. Mm-hmm. Two had was not as good as one, but I'll tell you what, it had the same feel, the same comedy, the same the airplane mm-hmm. series to me that one and two, I love them both. Love them both. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go go ahead, Bobby. No, I was I was no. Oh. <laughs> Oh, all right. I thought you were, yeah. I thought you were about to rattle something off. So, yeah, these two, th- th- these movies here, but the original one, yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Some of the greatest scenes in the world. And again, this was 1980. This is when comedies could be comedies. Yeah. You know, tits. Of course, there were tits in this movie. Yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> You know, just a really good movie, a great fucking story. But, uh, you know, I love that they brought some of the same, most of the same characters back in the second one. But uh, Airplane, number two. Anthony, have you seen the original Airplane? Absolutely. Okay. Shirley must be it, right? Uh, That's great. And please don't call me Shirley. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I got him. (laughs) It's me. But honestly, like to you guys' point, what I loved about it was, it was an edgy comedy because it seemed like a lot of movies back then, comedies were edgy, mm-hmm. but they weren't edgy for the sake of being edgy. They were edgy because all the people involved from the producers to the actors, that's who they were as human beings. That's what they were feeling. Like nowadays, I feel like people try to be edgy just for the sake of being edgy. Yeah. And that's not really who they are. But back then, it just, you felt like you were dealing with people that were legitimate rebels. When you think about Saturday Night Live, Lauren Michaels, you know, before he made, before he hit it big. When those guys like, uh, you know, Belushi and Aykroyd and Steve Martin and Garrett Morris, who doesn't get talked about nearly as much as he should, mm-hmm. that th- they, they were hungry and they were doing whatever they had to do to make it. But they weren't being edgy for the sake of being edgy. They were being edgy because that's who they were inside as human beings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. We are at uh, number one. What do you think? All number right. one? I'm excited. I feel like we yes. need a drum roll or something. You want a drum roll? You want a drum roll here? Right. Let's see. <laughs> there you go. You hear that? You got that? <laughs> yes. A little drum roll there. All right. Drum roll number one. I'm I'm happy number one is what it is. And a little surprised. Uh, we're going back to 1975 again. I damn. Yep, for number one movie, and again, you know, ranker list, crowd ranked list. We are looking at Monty Python, 
the Holy Grail. Yes, sir. The Holy Grail is the Holy Grail. Number yes, one on this list. Right where it needs to be. This was another movie my sister's friends, like I said, they showed me all three in one night. This was the this was the holy grail of the night. I have never I have watched this movie so many times since I was fifteen years old and they first showed me this movie. Such a great fucking movie. So many funny scenes. I mean just and you know, for those who don't know, it's basically it tells the tale of all the you know all the the, the famous knights, uh, you know Sir William and you know Sir Galahad and all those people, and it goes through their stories in hilarious fashion, hilarious fashion. You've got the knights that go knee. <laughs> You've got the rabbit. The, the rabbit protecting the cave and, you know, run away, run away. Oh, my God, dude. I can't. I, this is another one. We're, we're going to have to definitely get to Holy Grail one night because this this is such a great movie. Yeah. Anthony, have you ever seen the Holy Grail? Uh, I can't say I have. I've heard about it. I've seen bits and pieces, but I actually do have to sit down and watch this at some point. You need to. It is... Bobby, obviously you have. You were you were yes, even sir. excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. I was man. I saw. I was all the way back in high school when I mm-hmm. saw it. But <laughs> yeah, man. Fuck yeah! It's right where it needs to be. Number one. Yeah. Not, nothing else would fit there. Yeah, really. I mean, I'm not shocked to see it there. I'm excited to see it there. Um. I mean a nineteen you know, a nineteen seventy five movie you don't expect to be in two thousand eighteen. I mean, this is a crowd ranked list, so this is a current list. Yeah. And you just don't expect a nineteen seventy five movie to be number one on a list from this, you know, from 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 so recent. But I'm glad it is, man. I'm glad that movie still has a little bit of fucking traction. Um Every young person should see that movie. Lighten them up a little bit. Watch Monty Python. Everyone should be introduced to Monty Python. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's uh, that's the list. But a yes. uh, lot of great movies on that list. And like I said, I think I think the top fifty might have put some of the bottom fifty in perspective. Yeah. yeah where we were like, wow, that should be higher, but. I think the top 50 kind of, uh, like I said, put yep. a little bit of that, that, that list in perspective. A few movies, I still agree, should have been higher. Um, a few didn't belong on the list at all. A few didn't belong on the list at all. A few should have been lower. Uh, we never said that any tonight shouldn't be on the list. So that was good. Last week we had at least four or five. We were like, I'm not sure that should be on here. Yeah. So... And I so, but uh, yeah, man. I think we. Uh, anybody else got anything? Or should we wrap this motherfucker up? Uh, my main critique of the list is, you know, Butcher right. Fryer should have been way higher. And I'm not even talking about the moves they pick, but I'm just like, <sighs> Richard Pryor is like a legend in the game. And I understand, like, this list is probably, you know, it was voted on by a lot of, uh, you know, early twenties, mid twenties. Maybe I don't have a lot of perspective. But I feel like Pryor should de- should have definitely been in like at least the top fifty. 
top 50 to the top 25, at least one of his movies. I feel like him being like in the, like the, the low 80s, high 90s was like, you know, a sin. I'm sorry. I think he should have been higher on this list. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. And especially, I mean, you know, the, you look at the chemistry him and Gene Wilder had in some of his movies. Yeah. And yeah, a little crazy. You see a movie like Stir Crazy all the way down there. And I don't even think we right. saw See No Evil, Hear No Evil in no, this list. No, it wasn't on the list. Well, I think I, list. I, yeah, I talked about him like one time. And I'm like, you serious? Yeah, and you know what? I could, I could, I would probably bring that movie up in, you know, top 10 somewhere, maybe even like six or seven. As 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 great as comedies, yeah. good point. Good point that he's not on there enough, and I don't know why. I guess you know, like you said, it's kind of fucking millennials voting on this list. But but the interesting thing about that though is that the uh, top I don't even know how many top ten or twenty move uh, movies on the list were all seventies and eighties. Seventies and eighties, you know? Yeah, exactly. I thought this, that's exactly what I was about to say. That, you know, I mean, you look at the number one movie, even if this list was created, you know, and voted on by millennials, 1975, Holy Grail. <laughs> That's, yeah. it, 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 it kind of negates the argument in a way, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 good list. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad we went through it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, it man. Great. Yeah. But, I guess they're uh, kind of like, bottom, bottom line the show. Did anybody catch the uh, Roseanne reboot this week? I haven't yet. It is on Hulu. The new episodes are even on Hulu. Yes. So I'm going to check them out there. I'm just waiting for the old the uh, the wife to get home, and uh, I'll watch them with her. How about you, Bobby? I have not seen it. Uh, my personal opinion, and 18 million plus agree with me, I enjoyed it. A um, little different. It'll never live up to the original, but I enjoyed the shows. And it's been getting a lot of criticism, and I think, obviously, that comes from the fact that uh, Roseanne's a Trump supporter, mm-hmm. and I feel like, had she not come out so heavy as a Trump supporter, like, during the election, people would be a little more fair. But I think if, if you judge the show just from an artistic standpoint, it really got back, in my opinion, it got back to the basics of what made the original so special. Well... 18 million viewers is a fucking hell of a first show, man. And I mean, you know, yeah. whether she's a it Trump actually got renewed for the second season, too. Yeah, I mean, Trump supporter or not, I mean, let's face it, how many shows out there are would fucking literally murder someone for 18 million on a, on, on their yeah. first episode? Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. You know, you, I mean, Vince would probably fucking stab someone in front of the cops for 18 yeah. million viewers on a fucking <laughs> show. Right. And what I liked about it was it essentially picked up where the uh, original series left off. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. My mom saw it, was talking about it. But uh, yeah, I will definitely check it out by uh, next week. So yeah. maybe we'll uh, rattle off a little bit more about it. But uh, yeah, guys, on that note, I think we should go ahead and wrap this up. It's getting a little bit late. Yeah. And I think uh, this is a good one. Yeah. Good list. The. Uh, Greatest comedies of all time. Number one, once again, Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, if you will. And uh, yeah, there you go, guys. Once again, I want to remind everybody that we will uh, not be here next week. Going to uh, take a little break, reformat a little bit, come back a little leaner, a little meaner, a little tougher, a little stronger. 
And uh, do not forget to check out the Patreon, guys. Go ahead and donate a little bit to us. We'll, uh, we got already some content on there, like I said, five or six shows. Patreon.com slash THT Network. And uh, there you go, guys. Anything else to say? Nah. Uh, Patreon, no Patreon. We appreciate all the love and the support that you give. Mm-hmm. The entire THT family of shows. And uh, it'll be an honor and a privilege to earn your business. But if not, just thank you for just being there and on along, along for the ride for it with us this long. There you go. Bobby, thanks again for joining us, man. Glad you joined us for a second week in a row to finish this list up, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you as always. No problem. All right, guys. We'll see y'all in a couple of weeks. Appreciate everything. And on that note, you know how we end it. Go home and get your fucking shine box.